From the Dice Abide Live studios, it's Late Night War Games with your hosts, Adam and John. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. And hello, everyone. I'm Adam, but you know me as the Dice Abide. And I'm John, also known as Wise Kensai. And tonight, we're joined by the lovely Aaron and Melanie. Hooray! Yay! We have... <laughs> and the live studio audience of one. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. It's good Thank to be you. here. Yeah. Woo wee! It's gonna be a, a fun, a fun-filled evening. I know that I've already had a large margarita before the show, so Perfect. I'm start. I'm starting off well. Uh, so speaking of what we're drinking tonight, uh, Melanie, Aaron, why don't you take it away? What are you having? A completely nondescript beer, <laughs> as well as uh, the Tears of Cis Men. <laughs> Excellent. Is that a cocktail? I think I've had that in the Castro. Yeah. I'm just drinking water because I drank way too much coffee earlier and it made me kind of nauseous. So there you go. I, I, I do like this nondescript beer. Uh, <laughs> is this just like mystery beer from the fridge? No, it has a label on the other side. It's just uh, this side. Gotcha. <laughs> it can it be anything. Use your imagination. Mm-hmm. It's the best beer you've ever heard it of. It is. Whatever type you like. It's that yeah, one. That one. Yeah. It's the best one. How about you, John? Are you drinking something as, as perfect? Uh, I'm having uh, Hakushi 12. Oh, there you go. Not bad. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to uh, to wash down my, uh, my Cadillac margarita, I am having a Smithix. I'm almost through... The uh, the rest of this case that we bought at Costco, like every year at Costco, they do the massive um, like Irish for for St. Patty's Day case. And it's got like Harp, Guinness and Smithix and Lauren drinks all the Guinness and I drink everything else slowly, apparently. You're only two months behind. Yeah, exactly. I'll get there. Well, then I get distracted by other things. So (laughs) cheers. Cheers. Thumbs up. Oh my goodness! All right, John. Uh, we got we've got news. We do have news. Um, yeah. So, uh, Bromad Academy stuff. Basically, if you've been playing ITS and you're kind of tired of recycling the same missions, even with bikes over and over again, play something different. There's a bunch of different mission systems um, out there. Of course, there's ITS. Um, there's the older versions of ITS, there's 2020, there's YAMs or yet another mission systems, Vols stuff, Code 1, Recon Plus, any of the Dire Foes narrative mission pack, Campaign Cam- Paradiso, and I, uh, uh, my good friend in Poland, Piotr, uh, sent me some more stuff, which I'll post soon. I just haven't had any time to do anything. So uh, he re- reminded me of a mission set called Tacos, which we should also oh, add to that. But basically, yeah, basically the idea is... Um, ITS rewards a certain uh, play style. Is a, there's a lot of different um, play styles that work for ITS, but these mission sets reward other play styles which aren't very rewarded in ITS. For example, Yams, uh, this is a great example which I like to trot out whenever I have the opportunity. Um, basically, any unit can accomplish objectives, not just specialists. So if that's the case, then McMurder is really good at all the things because he can murder all the stuff and push all the buttons. So 
It's kind mm. of your one-stop shop, and that immediately means he's in all of the lists that can take him. So things like that, right? So it uh, it's not necessarily the thing that I would suggest to have a great time in Infinity all the time. Um, but what it does let you do is try some units you may not have tried before, see how they perform on the tabletop, encourage you to take different types of risks and use units in different ways that you might not have before. Just try stuff out, right? The whole point of Roman Academy is to shake up your play style and make you do something that you are not comfortable with until you become comfortable with it and can utilize it when the situation comes up in a tournament. So that's the spiel. Um, not bad. Yeah. So uh, as always, if you write in, uh, I'll post what you write and uh, enter you into a raffle to win a blister from, uh, from Ruben over at Mythic Games. Uh, and then if you feel like painting, uh, paint some butts. That's it. <laughs> I I love that this stupid idea ended up being the idea that we went with. I mean, this is the this group right now on the show is responsible, so <laughs> I blame all of you. Um, anyway, so uh, you can if you're uncomfortable with painting butts, you can paint any model with the booty rule. So we have you covered as well. I was saying uh, most butts in that picture are out of production. It's true. It's true. Need, they are. We need an updated booty chart. Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, the Reddit user Brestronaut, get on that, I guess. <laughs> Perfect. I think, I think they've also toned down the butts a lot, though. They're just not as uh, extreme as they used to be. So That's true. Also true. Like the uh, Maggie I, Pilot. This is just like. Old... I just think about the original Nima Sitar, who is. Mm-hmm. She's got uh it's too much. Or the uh, old Caledonian volunteer LGL. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, straight, yeah, yeah. It's just a straight upskirt fan service shot. You're just like, all right, well, sure. Lizard pilot too. Yeah, the old Ductari. Lizard pilot's on there. I can see her from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so that's it for Roman Academy. Adam, you wrote a thing. <laughs> I wrote a thing. Look at that. Um, so I recently got to play a game with, uh, with Obi, which we'll talk about in our game section. And I busted out my Akari and I'm in love with Akari again. Um, uh, I might've cheated five different ways, uh, but mostly having to do with misunderstanding, um, some of the composition rules for the new fire teams. It's my first time rolling them out with the new fire teams. Like, give me a break. But, um, I have been list building for Akari. I've been finding a lot of things that I like about the new fire team rules. Um, I know when the fire team rules came out, a lot of people uh, were super butthurt at the change to the uh, the the their basic Kaisutsu core, which, if you remember correctly, was like three Kaisutsu, a brawler, and a tanko. Mm-hmm. But yep. so now, if you do that, you lose the plus three ballistic skill bonus, which which is the which is the deal, right? You're, but at the same time, I can now add up to two brawlers, up to two bounty hunters, and up to two diggers to that Kaisotsu core. So I can get away with like one Kaisotsu lieutenant, like two digger chain rifles, a brawler doctor to keep them going, and then like a tanko to cut stuff up mm-hmm. or to have a missile launcher on the way in. Like you can actually play like an offensive Kaisotsu core now, um, or you can still run the defensive core. It won't be as good as it was, like whatever. Um, or you know, I've, I've been looking for like different ways to replace that, running like a, a Clipper Harris with like, or not Clipper, um, a Wooming Harris with like two Wooming HRLs and a Brawler Doctor to keep them going. Like this is 
I have no problems with any of this. Yeah, the any two fire teams have been really good now. Are really good now. They've gotten so much better. Oh yeah, well, I mean, don't even get me started on Starco, but <laughs> Starco has got amazingly better. But I, I was always a really big fan of Akari. I thought to me they were the a little bit more interesting um, take on JSA. So like I repl- I had swapped a lot of my models with these old out of production Warlord miniatures running heads, which is great. So they've all got like really gnarly facial hair and like their hair all pulled up in traditional, you know, peasantry Japanese style hairdos. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm I'm really actually pleased uh, now that I've kind of went through and learned the changes and started applying them to see what I can do with them. Um, I think Akari is a lot more interesting than people are giving it credit for. So I wanted to write my opinions yeah. and share them with the world. Yeah, And it is good reading, so go ahead and out there and read it if you care at all about Akari. Right? Go read the thing. I read it, and yeah, I thought it was good. So you going to play Akari now? Uh, I have to practice for Rose City Raid. I'm just saying, you've got JSA and you've got Drews, you have Akari. Yep. I have Akari, it's true. Yep. But I don't have the Wu Mings, I need to get them. Your birthday's coming up. Yeah. Oh. Shock- shockingly, going? Akari is like, I think one of my, is pretty darn close to fully painted. Which is like, nice. weird. You're so cool. Hmm. Alright, so what other, what other news we got going on here, John? Well, uh, we got some Warcrow news from Corvus Belly. So those of you who have been living under a rock, uh, CB has announced a new fantasy miniatures game, which is starting with a sort of dungeon crawler-esque cooperative thing uh, called Mm -hmm. Warcrow Adventures. Uh, And Mm -hmm. then there's going to be a skirmish scale game coming after that using all of the same um, stuff generally. So I am living for this Wood Elf design. Wood Elves were my Warhammer Fantasy Army. Um, back in the day before fantasy imploded and these guys they 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 really pick up kind of where the old gw late uh wood elf design aesthetic left off it's a much more kind of rugged looking elf uh less lego less uh more trustafarian um <laughs> the, the the dirty hippie living in the woods it's great um yeah. this is what i want my wood elf to be so seeing this model is just like yeah if they're if they are as trolly or anywhere near as trolly as what elves used to be, um, then I'm all about this. I'm very happy they brought the tactical tree to bear. Um, yeah. I was worried they would break that. Mm-hmm. And being an elf player myself, I am very much looking forward to this. Although I have to see what the women look like because Games Workshop has a nasty habit of making no women look good. <laughs> I was going to say elf women, but no women look good. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. CB, CB does okay. I feel like with, yeah, with everybody. Yeah, um, she's gonna have she's gonna have like a, a ridiculous booty, and it'll be perfect. And she'll yeah. be wearing high heels for yeah, some combat boots. Yeah, exactly. I will say though, on the subject of the tactical tree, at least it's fantasy, so you're not gonna have like rocks on your spaceship problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm at least pleased about that. Yeah. Or for my Ariadna spaceship on my rocks problems. You could actually, I'm just wondering if they're going to go the opposite and start putting like spaceship pieces on these bases just to really (laughs) fuck with us all. That would be far out. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think there's been a a tactical tree in any of CB sculpts. There are are tactical trees on a lot of my Ariadna minis, but I use resin bases. So 
Yeah, right. Like I think this is the first uh, the first tactical tree. Mm, all right. Yeah. Good job, CB. Uh, speaking of more CB things, they've uh, sort of clued us into more Operation Box stuff. Uh, so this is a uh, Aleph and Hawk Islam Code One release. Um, yeah. Just a quick public uh, service announcement. Again, we've talked about this in the past, but it happened to me again recently because I forgot to remind the person. So as you may know, I've been trying to sell some armies. Uh, I sold my OSS to a lovely local. Uh, and uh, his his wife, when uh, putting the, the the note in PayPal, was uh, Aleph Warbarbies for my husband, effectively, right? Uh, and so PayPal was not concerned with the Warbarbies reference. Uh, Aleph is a Japanese terrorist organization. And so that flags all transactions for further review. So if you are buying Aleph things online, don't use the word Aleph. <laughs> all right. Good to know. Just a reminder. It's happened to me twice now. Um, so that's the thing. Uh, but yeah, so um, they're going to release two effectively, I believe, sectorials. Um, so there's going to be, you know, just like based on the last bullet point here, uh, there's going to be some new fire teams, it looks like. Uh, some new profiles for both games, Code One and Four. Um, you know, there's been some some people in the know rumor stuff happening. So I'll keep my my mouth shut as far as that goes. But uh, I'm tentatively excited about this. Um, yeah, should be interesting. We should know more in a month. Basically, I have not I have not officially heard anything, but yeah. I I know it's going to be Steel Phalanx to piss off John. Probably. Most likely. Uh, also, um, I Carlos we're... said it was steel phalanx at some point, and like in passing. Assassins, right? Yeah. I think we did like hear that somewhere on one oh. of the forums or something. I don't know, but maybe oh. I'm wrong. Who I'll remain mum. I think they did say it was going to be steel. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut. But uh, <laughs> one thing that I'm not going to keep my mouth shut about is they're releasing a new online campaign. So this is like an asteroid blues sort of deal. Um, they're doing it again in, in collaboration with on, on Tabletop. Those of you who don't know what this is, um, it's a global campaign where, I mean, I'm assuming they're doing the same thing. So in the past, right, I'll, I'll say what they did in the past, and maybe this is what they're doing this time. Um, they they have a little narrative campaign, which is sort of like a, a narrative on rails, right? They, they have some preset things that are going to happen, uh, and then the, the various factions vie for control over particular... Uh, places on a map that they define, right? So last time it was an asteroid base uh, and there were different locations within the asteroid. There was like a bar, like some like random, you know, nomad thing and some other stuff like that. And then you could play a particular mission at one of those places. So you would play like, I don't know, firefight at whatever uh, like Yujing thing it was. Um, and if you won, you would get points for your faction and whichever faction had the most points would control that. Uh, and then there was like sort of an overall winner at the end and you write up a battle report, submit pictures and stuff. And that's the, that's the campaign. Uh, and one of the fun things about this is uh, there's a lot of in-character role-playing and stuff between factions, which is good and bad. Uh, there's a lot of salt being thrown around sometimes, uh, but the, the role-playing does sometimes make it into the actual official canon lore, uh, which is pretty rad, right? So there, there aren't many, um, companies doing this kind of thing at this scale, and I think it's really cool. Uh, doing anything at this scale is problematic uh, and involves a lot of um, uh, hard work as well as you know dropped balls and stuff. So 
give them a little bit of, of grace here, but, uh, it's, it's generally a fun time if you are there to just enjoy it and, uh, and play some games with friends. If you get a little too into it, it can be a problem. So just temper your expectations accordingly. I, I will probably return with, uh, my Akari company. Yeah. I will but probably I, uh... have to do nomad things again. Um, seems yeah. reasonable. Uh, I don't know if I want to do the, the leadership thing again. That was a, a lot of work. That was so much work. Yeah, I, I was in the same boat. Yeah. Eating NA2 and Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, Remdog in the uh, in the chat, the, the real winner is the memer, the people who enjoy the memes, because there are some pretty fantastic yeah. memes that happen. Um, what else? Oh, we've got uh, we've got some new DP9 releases, which is really cool. Uh, That's so right. yeah. So Frank painted up this uh, Eden Centaur Golem, uh, which is fantastic. You can it's available for purchase now, not the painted one, the model that you get to assemble and paint yourself. Uh, but this is his studio paint job. And Such so a great model. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite models of the whole line. Yeah. Uh, then you've got the Doppel. So here's the back shot, as well as the two different poses. Start with the back shot. I mean, that's that's the the largest. That I mean, I don't know why that's the one, but that's the one on the oh. website. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doppels are awesome. If you haven't looked at the profile, they're redonkulous. And you basically always want to take the halberd because it's like a heavy vibroblade with reach two and brawl, and it starts in the midfield, and you can bonk things with it with your jetpack eight. So, yeah, they're, take doppels. They're ridiculously good. Yeah, I'm working on uh, – sorry, not sorry, Adam. I'm working on a Utopia list with doppels in it. So Do prepare, it. Bring it. Prepare. Uh, and then there's the Druid. So the Druid uh, is the um, the invader faction uh engineering gear which didn't exist before and now exists thanks to eden being released and so it's universal you can take it and repair those tanks uh at least they're also pretty good yeah they're they're decent they can they can fix your lhts and 95s so in ce yeah so that's something to to be happy about um and you know they have access to some fun weapons like the medium bazooka you see here as well as think of flamethrower or something so lots of yeah, options and like an like an ap heavy pistol yeah right Really good gun. Yep. Good time. Cool. So I think that wraps up the news, which means it's hobby time. It's hobby time. John, what'd you work on? Oh, wait. Uh, I'll tell you. I uh, have been selling more stuff. Um, haven't really done much in the way of like actual hobbies, but I've been reorganizing my things. Drove all of my... Uh, I drove an entire SUV load of stuff, which is a lot of stuff, to MindTaker up in Vancouver, Washington, and uh, unloaded it. So the lovely folks at MindTaker are going to sell all my things on consignment. So, hooray! Well um, so I didn't get I didn't get much building in, but I did uh, take the opportunity to throw down a quick test paint scheme on uh, one of my Peace River models. This is the Greyhound, hmm. kind of based it off of a uh, an F4 Phantom. Um, kind of the, some of the different paint schemes that they have with the the black down the middle of the cockpit. Um, this is the biggest key there, and I went with a cool gray instead of warm gray. Uh, and kind of I'm going to try out this like white sands looking basing. So keep it really light um, so that the the gray actually pops off of it a bit more mm. as well as the uh, the black. So, yeah, I, I got to paint the thing. So really? it looks good. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, thank you very much. I'm mean, I'm really happy with the scheme. It was pretty quick, so that's yeah. so important. Um, and then I'm also uh, dangerously close to starting 30k. Oh yeah. So 
Uh, those of you on our Discord, we have a Adam uh, 30K support group channel in there. So please join the Discord and help us convince him to get 30K. Oh, no, Derek is already, like, setting one aside for me. Yeah, So, but, but we need we need more incentive to, to sort of gaslight them into thinking that it really was a good idea and it was his idea all along. So please help. Exactly, exactly. I'm probably going to end up doing Dark Angels, which is funny because they're, like, the gay-coded legion, and we're here <laughs> doing that tonight. Um, or... A very special episode tonight. <laughs> yeah, right? It's a very special episode. Everyone's gay! <laughs> Um, the, the things I'm seeing of the new horse heresy rules are cool because it seems to um, it seems to solve a lot of the issues I had with 7th edition it's based off of the previous edition of or years ago of 40k um, about some of the cool things from 8th and then like was like yeah the rest of this is a dumpster fire uh, <laughs> so but I don't know we'll see how it goes mm-hmm. I've spent I've I've bought armies from other games I never ended up playing, so I I will play with you. <laughs> Army. Melanie and I are both glancing nervously at our bookshelf of shame. Which is multiple games that we are not playing currently. Yeah. But we we own the models for, so yeah. you know. You're in good company. <laughs> Although I think you're the one who like started all of this for us, so you know. Aww. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Bring your moonstone. Let's play when you come up. All right. We need to build ours. Anyway, yeah, that's on the the bookshelf. It's Moonstone, Malifaux, a whole bunch of infinity. Malifaux is not my fault. I take no responsibility. That's fair. Malifaux is because there was a cute girl at an ice cream store once who told me I had to play. That's not even a joke. The gay (laughs) episode. Oh my goodness. Okay, so who is Aaron? What do you what do you what do you got here? Um, I haven't built this yet, but Melanie was able to find me this extremely out of production miniature that is very hard to find and is super cool. So I'm gonna have even more motorcycle miniatures for Infinity, even though awesome. I've got more than I can field in any army ever. But I always need more good looking motorcycles. Well, and... it gives you another uh, another Argato Killer hacker as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I have no problem with this. It's great. It's wonderful. It's exactly what I wanted. I'm super, super stoked because this is one of the models I couldn't find, and I'm usually pretty good at hunting stuff down. Yeah, turns wow. out you just have to Google the same thing every single day until the results change. <laughs> we don't know how that works, but... That's, that's, I, I feel like that's that's like representative of everybody's... like life looking at their phone at like two in the morning now we'll just keep googling it until the results change exactly hey it works google and now i have the best bike model so you know yeah it all works i i have that model too i'm excited to use it as like desperados or like coon bikers or something yeah i yeah i'm very i'm planning to take probably three bikes in all of my lists at rcr (laughs) so it's it's going to be like Yojimbo, uh, Kuroshi Rider, and then this one proxying as an Aragoto killer hacker. And then a motorized bounty hunter. Oh, yeah, and then a motorized bounty hunter, who's going to be Penthesilia, probably. Do you the, have the, boot, the bootleg version? No, I don't like that one. The other one, the original. Fair enough, fair enough. I did a what? sword swap on her, though, so she now has, like, a katana. 
because I used Musashi. I used because you get two Musashis in the Musashi box for whatever reason. I stole one of his four swords and gave one to her. Yeah, at one point I had like five Musashi models, and I was like, why? (laughs) So I gave him, I just like dropped stuff in my takers. I was like, no, I don't, no thanks. Well done. And then, uh, so Melanie, what do you what do you got going on here? I have done a, holi- a holiday. I have done a hobby explosion, and am just doing everything I can. That's infinity at the moment. Um, so I bought a ton of Velcro and started my patch uh, collection nice. and put on the old uh, Rose City raid and Fort Schwarzenegger, as well as the Bromad Academy. Got to represent, and then a bunch of the new Nomads ones that I just bought. Um, I'm Very trying cool. to get, yeah, yeah. Starting that whole process, got to get more hobbies in there, mm-hmm. right? I like I like Infinity players. They're like, well, I've collected everything there is for my faction. Patches, mm-hmm. yeah, sounds good. It's a good way to not buy another army and then have to buy like all the new templates from Warsenal and all of like <laughs> the new tokens and everything. Yeah. Speaking speaking of templates from Warsenal, um, if you yeah, I <laughs> I just. Way back when, when Ice Storm came out, I bought the Orange Center Bakunin ones, uh, mm-hmm. and they later released the fancy clear ones. And so I went back to Warsenal and emailed them and said, hey, I didn't buy enough of these. Can you make more? Um, and so they, I now have enough to do a full order group of oh, both wow. Bakuna, cool. Bakunin symbols. And then I also wanted Riot Girl ones to use as my lieutenant orders because they didn't have Riot Girl ones. So they printed those up too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah no, Jay is super cool. Jay is, yeah. is red. Speaking of thinking of Riot Girls. So you've also put some models, no, some some paint on some minis. I have been painting about two a week or one wow. to two a week, which I'm just powering through it. I'm trying to get ready for Rose City Raid. Um, We're trying to watch as much trash TV in the yes, background as possible. If we can watch trashy reality TV shows and oh, paint so miniatures, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so two Riot Girls got done, uh, Reverend Custodier, that Zoe, um, for the gay episode, Blue Hair and Pronouns. Um, <laughs> blue Hair and Probots? Blue Hair and Probots. And then if you go one more, it's two of the same, and then, um, one of the, mor- the Elf Morlock and the, uh, oh, the turret. turret. Thing? Yeah. yeah, the Turret yeah. Alliance. Yeah. Very rad. And then my current is Pupniks. I am trying, I don't know what I'm going to do with my Chimera yet, but I'm getting through the Pupniks so that when I use them every single game, I can actually have them in color. They look so much creepier in color now. They're so terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, they're kind of horrible little monsters. Yeah, Yeah. they really are. When they're just like, you know, based like white painted metal, they look so much less this, whatever this monstrosity is. I also just want to highlight that the lion is in this position, which I don't know what this is, but this is what it is doing. Yeah, Yeah. he wants you to shake his hand. Okay, perfect. Yeah, really weird positioning. And that fox's arm is way too long. Yeah. I I would love some new Pupniks done very like Island of Dr. Moreau. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I want people keep on the internet keep saying that they're going to update Bakunin, and I'm hoping they do soon because they have a bunch of really weird looking models right now. 
Yeah, like the old Riot Girl Spitfire. I had Adam whip me up one from some spare parts <laughs> I had. So I have a modern Riot Girl with the old Spitfire. Very nice. It worked out well. It did, yeah. We also are really hoping for an updated uh, tag that just looks like one of the angels from uh, Evangelion. <laughs> oh, oh my God. sure. It's yeah, like, instead of like so... Bubble Chunk, it's just like, wah, eat bullets. <laughs> I, okay, so I, I really like the lizard. I, I'm not gonna yuck your yum. I, I, I like that it is just this like weird gangly. Like there's something about when when a when a monster looks more human, a lot of times it looks less scary and weird. Yeah, so, like, absolutely. The Marut, the Marut looks badass, but I'm not as terrified of it as like this bizarre eight-eyed like alien-looking thing with grenades and flamethrowers coming out of its hands. Hmm. Okay, so I'm putting this in the document. Um, oh no! This is, this is what I see every single time I look at the uh, the lizard model. This is oh, is it, see, is it as Azrael? Is that that I, one? I can't remember. It's the first one they fight in the show, but and then the lizard. Uh, oh, that's Azrael. Yeah, it's like the first angel they fight, right? Yeah, and then the lizard looks like this. Yeah, just jump back and forth between those pictures. Uh, make the other one look like yeah. it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's totally, I think that was just called the fourth angel. Um, there you go. Yeah. That's all I can see when I look at them. And so I want the resculpt to be just like that. Yeah. Yeah. God, see, I love need. that design. It's just so weird. Like it, you can see the like they're, they're clearly sitting down like in this loader thing. I don't know. I I I really hope the design keeps this the new one keeps this aesthetic. But I do appreciate that it looks like the front of um the rem uh yeah the rems the zond bots. It has a similar like bubble case face as the zond bot uh zond zonds. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still cool. Yeah, I hope when they get resculpted, it's it's just as cool. It's even more cool. It'll be even cooler. Okay, so uh, Javi, out of the way. Boom. Love the lizard, but you're not thinking one. So we're talking a whole lot about a thing you didn't do. Um, So we've got we've got a little bit of a a media recommendation. Uh, So first off, the name of this episode is taken directly from. A queer early 2000s, late 90s? When did that movie come out? I think. Um, a movie called But I'm a Cheerleader, which is fantastic if you ever want to see um, RuPaul co-running a gay conversion camp. Um, it is it is fantastic. It's a good movie. I, I was uh, forced to watch it in college before I was gay, and I'm pretty sure that's what made me gay. So um, <laughs> that's what did it right <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, it's, it has a, a great cast, though, right? Because it's got um, uh, Natasha Leone in it as the the lead. Um, her her dad is um, um, I'm brain farting. It, it's funny. There's like a lot of a lot of uh, small parts, but he was Harold from Harold and Maude. Um, her mom is played by uh, by Mink Stoll, who is an icon from John Waters films. Um, just a really funny silly. It has Rufio in it from Hook. 
<laughs> Dante Vasco, right? It's such it, it is it is fantastic. It's silly. It's campy. Um, it, it could probably go further on the social commentary, but it was it's light and cute and, and I, sweet. I think it's early '90s, so it's really ahead of its time. That's also pretty fair. Uh, release here we go. Uh, August two thousand. Hmm, okay, so. bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah, technically, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I mean, or it's really late nineties. There you go. So, yeah, Which there's my recommendation. Oh, and it, and it was free on YouTube, but then that just changed. It's free now on Peacock. So if you have that, you can stream it without paying for it. Yeah, because you you clearly <laughs> everybody has all the streaming services. That's the thing that people do. Right. I think that one's free. Like, there's like a free with commercials. I don't know. Uh, I have no idea anymore. It's still annoying because you have to like install the we're, app or like have it on your smart TV. Active. Yeah. But all right, uh, Melanie, I think you had a a book. I do. I have two books for the Pride episode. Um, this first one is called Meanwhile Elsewhere. It is an amazing speculative science fiction and fantasy short story collection of all trans and queer authors. It's really good. It's probably my favorite book. It is very gay. It is very trans. It's highly recommended. If you want something queer, if you want something by new authors, if you want something that'll make you question your gender late at night, um, this one's for you. <laughs> so, or if you are questioning your gender or... late at night. Hmm? Oh, sorry. Is this an anthology? It is. It's a bunch oh. of short stories. Cool. Yeah. It's really good. Is it? Is it like modern? Because the the design is is kind of old school. The design is entirely old school. Um, but it it's within the last five years. Okay. All so right. so like pretty recent. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna yeah. I was gonna say if they put the word transgender on the cover of a book of the era that the cover is designed after, yes. the book would have been burned. Yes, yes, I understand that. I'm just, I'm just saying, right? I'm commenting on the, <laughs> the. Uh... It, it really is good, though. Even if you, even if you are not super queer and want queer things, it's just good sci-fi and fantasy. It's nice. Well written books. Very cool. I'll check it out. I feel like I can actually. I feel like I can almost read a short story again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Then what's the uh, what's the next book we have here? <laughs> so I had to do this one. Um, this is Nevada by Imogen Binney. It's also a really good book. This is um, one of the starts to trans current trans literature that was re-released today. So it was published in 2013 um, and made a huge splash back with the transgender tipping point in the news and everything. And it was really about, um, it's a book about trans people being messy and recognizing other trans people and how messy they are. Um, once the first book makes you realize how queer and trans you are, you can use this one to just cry for like a week because it really it's <laughs> it's sad and it'll hurt. But it's a good book. So if you are trans, this is a book for you. If you're not, <laughs> it's still a good book, but not going to hit quite as hard. I I specifically haven't read this because it sounds too heavy. So if that's a problem for you, maybe it's not for you. But yeah. if you like hurting yourself, <laughs> if you're queer, <laughs> interesting. It's like like all I'm hearing is that it's like it's like kids for trans people. Like it's <laughs> okay. To cutting the bullshit aside, it's a very well written story. Okay. It pulls on the heartstrings. It hurt, but it really is a painful introspective look at being trans. 
awesome. For trans people, by trans people. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's also no shame in avoiding it if you're if you're not mentally and emotionally prepared, right? Like, yeah, there's plenty yeah, sure. of plenty of things that I'm just like, maybe not watching yeah. that TV show today. Same. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, awesome. I think this means it's time to talk about some games, though. Yeah. I like to do games. That's what I like to do. I love that bit. Um, let's see here. First up, John. Yeah, I actually did play a bunch of games. <gasps> Shockingly. So, so uh, yeah, first one is uh, Radlands. What's up? These are yeah, these are not miniatures. I played a game called Radlands, um, which is sort of like you know post-apocalyptic thing. The resources water. Uh, you can sort of strip away the 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 skinning of it, and water is just actions you can do a turn. Um, and it's kind of like MOBA-esque in the sense that there's lanes. So there's three lanes per side and your objective is to get to the, the, uh, you know, like defense of the ancients, get to the ancient at the end of the lane and kill it. Right. And so the, uh, the stuff in your back lane are your, your camps, right. You're sort of like post-apocalyptic camp with all your, your like biker gangs or whatever. And so it may take the form of, um, you know, like a totem kind of like, uh, the VA totem in Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, or which like gives bonuses to your troops or like calls in raiders or something, or like just a big fucking cannon that shoots the enemy. Right. Uh, so that's basically what it is. And then you can, you can summon or, or, or give water to various types of, uh, units that can affect the other person's board. And basically it's this, it's a little activation economy game where you try to beat down their troops. They try to beat down your troops and get to the, the juicy nougaty center of your camp and blow it up. Hmm. Um, it's, it's really well designed. One of the nice things is it plays in like 15, 20 minutes and there's like a fragilian different camps and a bunch of different cards. And, um, the game is designed to do some like intentionally broken combos. Um, and so your job is to get a combo engine. Like I did, first of all, identify a combo engine, run it to like destroy your opponent. And then as the person on the receiving end, like dismantle the opponent's combo engine. Um, and they gives you plenty of tools to do that. Uh, cards are inactive. They basically have two hit points. Um, the first one is, you know, like at full health, you're just you're just normal. And then um, when you take a damage, you turn sideways, and whatever your tech says is now blank. You're basically disabled. Uh, like you you don't have any abilities at that point. Uh, and then you know the third like the, the the second damage just takes you off the board, right? Um, so you can sort of manage your opponent's board by like saying like pew, I shoot that thing, and you can't use it anymore, kind of deal. Um, and there are board wipes that exist and, uh, this kind of lot of like open state where you see threats as they're coming and so you can sort of prepare for them. Uh, one of the things that we, we discovered pretty quickly as we played through a few games is like, uh, just like in magic, the gathering, you want to sort of, uh, keep stuff in your hand, especially if you think your opponent might have a board wipe. So if you like you're, you're, you have a million permanents and they board wipe you and they drop like, well, you know, a one, one flyer and you're like scrambling to get something on the board after that. And they just like sit there and go to the red zone with that one one flyer like for the subsequent 19 turns or whatever you're just sad right so that happened to my buddy i just i board wiped him and just kept him to like one or two you know damage models and and that uh that was that was game there um so that's radlands it's fun um there's a lot of replay Super because cool. there's like a fragile in cards and you only play with a small subset so that's the thing um i also played uh uh oh shoot i'm forgetting the name of the uh, moonrakers that's it so Moonrakers is a, uh, if you like Dominion, um, it's a, or any other kind of um, 
deck building game, uh, it is that thing. Um, so just like Dominion, you can sort of cycle through cards very quickly. There's like combos where you like put a bunch of actions down, put a bunch of card draw down and cycle through your whole deck. And there's like deck management mechanics and stuff. But basically the deal is um, you are... Uh, you are trying to vie to be the most prestigious pirate captain in the space thing that you're fighting over, or galaxy, or whatever. Um, and to do that, you need to prove you're the best by completing mercenary contracts. And the contracts are very hard. Um, so they require, like, you alone can generally cannot complete the contract by, like, doing the cards in your hand in a turn. So you have to negotiate some kind of deal with the other players to say like, okay, well, if you contribute to this contract, right, your resources, then we can divvy up the rewards. And the rewards uh, are things like prestige points. If first one to 10 prestige points wins the game because you are the most prestigious captain. Um, and then there's like money and money lets you buy ship upgrades and more cards or like more crew members to go in your deck. Uh, and then there's, uh, you get free cards, right? So you can say like, well, if you do this, um, you know, uh, I'll give you all the money, but I keep the prestige. Uh, and there's also hazards that you have to protect yourselves against, which reduce your prestige. So you can say like, well, you take all the hazards um, and I will get the prestige, but you get the hazards and the money. Uh, and, you know, like I'll owe you a favor later kind of thing. So you can do negotiation that way. So that one's pretty fun. Uh, it, is a, it is a longer game. And as you can see, there's a fair amount of board state um, that you have to sort of chew through. Um, but it was a good time. My my sister and her husband came by, and we were playing this. Uh, so as an example of your board, you have four upgrade slots, and then you just like do objectives and stuff. Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, and it's then cool. finally, I taught my sister and her husband to play standard shogi, uh, and they were like, "Oh, I get this. It's like chess." I was like, "Yes, but any piece that you eat can go back on the board under your control." And they were like, "What?" And so that was that was a that was a good time. Very cool. Yeah. Um, dear, I played some games. Mine, mine had less flat miniatures. Um, <laughs> so this is the game I got to play with my Akari against Obi's Tunguska. Um, it was one of those games where turn one felt very one-sided in my favor. Um, and then basically by turn three, uh, the only reason why Obi lost is because with multiple orders, Perseus couldn't kill an HVT. Um, so <laughs> well, well, that happens. Uh, yeah. So it's like, oh, he's like, I lost. I'm like, but did you? I mean, like, sure, if this is a tournament record, you would have lost. I also couldn't stop you from getting uh multiple um <laughs> multiple shots on HVTs. So you and yes, no, that is that is not a Jesus statue, that's a Joseph statue. Uh <laughs> in the middle of it. It was basically uh just a piece of garbage we found and was like, ah, oh, let's just throw this in the middle here. This will be good. Like, um, yeah, I've seen a lot of people do it on, uh, on Eugene tables. Why not on a, another table? I don't know. Right. Um, definitely thought it was a Tuscan Raider from the back. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I can see that. He's actually usually holding a mini pride flag. Um, mm -hmm. so. but you took it off for this episode. Well, no, it, it was it was not really uh, conducive to playing a game with. Um, it's kind of in the way it knock over a bull. Yeah, like Lauren found him, and I'm not sure what he's normally holding with both hands, but she's like, oh, perfect flag holder. Done. <laughs> perfect. Nice. So, actually, yeah, no, it was a, yeah, it was a fun game. Like I said, this is where I really kind of started to fall back in love with um, 
with uh, Ikari Company. They have some really neat stuff that they didn't have before. Um, you know, they did lose the Drew's core, which I really liked, but it was really cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. And now that they have the ability to lower the cost, they don't have the core. But uh, they can do neat things with their with their little three man Harris's, um, you know, like taking uh, you can take like Arslan, a Druze and a digger mm. and get the plus three bonus. Use Arslan for plus three to discover with that MSV also reducing the uh, the penalty from camo. Like you can actually make like a mean little link out of there. Um, in in this game, I actually disguised um, Tawu as a Wu Ming. Oh, that's pretty. Just good. like sat him on the back to keep Obi uh, honest without him maneuvered his links. <laughs> and then I was like, "Surprise templates!" But, nice. Yeah, it felt good. He didn't expect it, so I succeeded. There you go. In Hollow One, I'll take it. Um, and then we also got to uh, to play a, a mice hammer game. With <laughs> this was. Uh, Gene was narrating <laughs> while Obi and I played, um, uh. and it was a lot of fun. Just basically, let her make up the rules to everything as she went. Um, so it's like, okay, our person moves over here, and they're gonna they're gonna beat up this guard, and she's like, okay, you need to roll three stars, and then we just like roll the dice, and, and like, <laughs> she was she was very like um, certain about everything she was saying, so it was, it was really pretty amusing. Um, she tried to like haggle Ogi or she's she tried to haggle with Obi and merge those two words together. Um and you know, like then she'd be like, Well then you need to roll four stars now. Like <laughs> <laughs> but it was very um almost like like a GM gaming experience. It was it was amusing. And really for me it's just uh Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, like at some point in time, she's like, "Well, if you fail this attack, you get turned into an orc." And then <laughs> you fail, she'd replace our little mouse hero character with an orc, and the orc can only attack until something until we beat up somebody else to turn back into the mouse hero. Mm-hmm. There you go. It got complicated. We were rescuing some princesses from from some guards. We weren't really sure why. I do have to work on her storytelling a bit. Um, <laughs> character motivations. We're not really. Uh, She's not forging the narrative properly. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of leaning on dice mechanics. Um, oh, <laughs> sounds like sounds like bad game design. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but no, it was a lot Imagine. of fun. Yeah, right. Get to it. Oh my goodness. So, uh, Ernie, Aaron, Jesus, I have. Yeah, Aaron, Melanie. Um, we have been practicing super hard for Rose City Raid. Um, we have had this table set up and rearranged. Like we've been getting about two games a week in, I think. Um, and just rearranging this table constantly, and it hasn't been put away in our apartments for like a month and a half, probably yeah. at least. <laughs> That's the good thing about being a geek in your own apartment. Yeah, That's awesome. I love your. Is that like Skylanders? Uh, airfield right there yeah yeah um someone was saying put the jesus statue on a plinth and we do that with the little skylander pilots those are amazing statues Mm -hmm. um but yeah this is the most crowded version of the board we just ran it's the most recent we played capture and protect on this one before that, we played Biotech Vor like four times in a row because it's the worst (laughs) engine and we haven't played it before 
It is very trying. I haven't been forced to play it yet, so now we're speedrunning getting good at biotech war. Yeah. We're still not good at biotech war. No. No? No. We played like four games in a row, and it just was a blowout one way or the other. Yeah, it's either one person makes it to the middle, and then... Or it's either one person doesn't make it into the middle and just dies, it's or one person makes it to the middle, the other person dies. It it it's very lopsided. We yeah. have not had a good game of Biotech Vor yet. Yeah. So so here's here's I just, I forgot that I also played a game against Obi, and I can talk about that in a minute. But basically, Biotech Vor is a is a Crucible mission, right? It's not really. Uh, a fun mission for anybody because either you're getting your face smashed in or you're smashing your friend's face in and they're very sad about it and you're just like i feel bad now right um so yeah it's just it's just uh somebody's having a bad time but if you go into it with the understanding that like this is a mission where i'm really going to test my core fundamentals of the game uh, and my my uh, target and objective prioritization, um, you know, and and ensuring that like I I keep in mind all the things I have to do in a turn, right? Like it's not you cannot make mistakes, um, and it it is really uh, an excellent mission to to test your infinity skill. But is it fun? I don't think so. But I play it because. <laughs> Because uh, you know, sometimes you you need that kind of challenge, right? It's a good it's a good check to make sure. I that... enjoy it. I enjoy it, but I think I have a warped sense of what fun is. Sure. Um, but I did I did keep Biovore for the last round on purpose, mm. um, just so we can all be as beat down as possible, <laughs> and it will be exactly. as excruciating. We can yeah. all bond over how difficult it is at the very end. Yeah. Well, and... I mean, I'm sorry. Do you want to play Rescue Last? Like. <laughs> I do appreciate you putting me against bad players at the end when I've already failed the other missions. So thank you for uh, <laughs> letting me. I don't think that because Biotech War the scoring can be so polarizing. I actually don't think it's good to have earlier in tournament rounds because it mm-hmm. forces more submarining. Um, as as Ruben pointed out, nobody is good at Biotech War. Yeah, and and just because you know we're saying that it's not fun doesn't mean that it can't be fun for you, right? Like you can enjoy the game however you want. I'm just giving so you my fun. opinion. Um, but uh, I, I will say to uh, answer, to sort of uh, address Abyscus's request that, you know, they want a alternate version of Biotech 4 with the zone girls like Panic Room. Go check out my Humboldt Irregular write-up. That is yeah. exactly what they did to change Biotech 4. And I really enjoyed it. And in fact, that game was against Ruben and I had a great time because uh, it wasn't Biotech 4, technically. <laughs> yeah, I well, feel- at, the, at the Humboldt Irregular, it actually... Ended up being a slightly larger zone right. than what Biotech was. I think it all went to 18 or something, right? It, grow, it grows six inches a turn. Mm-hmm. So more for, it pushes people in over the course of the game instead of on turn one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, kinda, I think I like that more. But... Yeah. It's, it's more forgiving. Uh, it lets you like, make a few more mistakes because you know, once, you, once you really get hammered. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just show you what happened. Probably that's the easiest way to do it. So uh, this, is what, this is what the state of the game was at the end of turn one. Uh, let me uh, <laughs> let me actually make this a little bigger. One second, I had this set up funny. Which army are you playing? Okay, um, so I am. Oops, that's not right. I want this. There we go. Okay, that makes more sense. So I am playing the shot. Um, at the end, so basically, the the first turn, 
Uh, there were zero arrows because I was too chicken shit to face uh, Obi's Grenzer Sniper. So he basically, like, this was the state of the game after his first turn. He, like, moved everything up onto some buildings and, like, made life annoying for me. Um, and then I proceeded to obliterate his list, and I got him down to um, to this. So it started off with 100, you know, 300 points, and I, I shot 145 off the table. Jeez. Uh, then this happened to me because I misjudged the Biotech 4 zone by about half a bit. 140 left on that list? Yep. I lost <laughs> all the things. So some of the stuff was like, I I forgot slash made a calculated risk on some things. Um, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to lose the Fanus. Okay, that is sad, but oh well. I, and I'm going to lose the Ludon because like, all right. I was not expecting to lose Maggie and my Gulan Lieutenant and Sforza. That was not part of the plan, uh, but it happened. Uh, but even even with that, I mean, like I Obi is a is an excellent player, and I I I cannot say that like oh I had a chance to win it right. Um, but there was a, a a reasonable chance for me to accomplish some objectives, uh, and so I was executing along that line of play, uh, and it came down to you know me having to deal with Perseus and suppression at the end of the excuse me at the end of the game, and I'm realizing that. Uh, what I should have done was use the Gulam's uh, order to drop a smoke grenade on him with the, anyway, but that would have solved all kinds of problems. But I, anyway, so, but like Biotech 4 forces you to, to like really leverage all of your tools like that. And I think um, Wes had the, probably the best description. It's, you know, it's a, it's a stress test, um, you know, like recreational. It's like, do you want that? Anyway, I'll publish this soon. I'm putting a couple of finishing touches on the, on the battle report, but it was brutal for both of us. Uh, at the end, at the end of my first turn, Obi's like, "Well, I thought I was gonna completely just lose it, <laughs> but it's a game now." So, my favorite thing is like, well, while you're playing this horribly stressful game where your models are burning up, don't forget to do these classifieds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I can fit in durable units, I can fit in mobile units, and I can fit in specialists, but. For some reason, I can't fit in all three. It's terrible. John, John, John. Yes. I know the mission for next year, the final <laughs> mission. Okay. It is going to be the highly tech war zone. Okay. You're gonna you're gonna make a new mission. Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's a combination of highly classified and biotech war. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Which is somehow a, the bigger abom the biggest abomination. <laughs> It's the, it's the highly tech war zone. I'm... All right. Well, we'll we'll do some playtesting. <laughs> no. <laughs> put put all of the all of the HVTs in like the middle in an objective room in the middle. Uh, mm -hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where this is going? Yeah. Well, three isn't enough. Um. So. <laughs> can we stop Adam from ever running events again? I'm not sure you want uh, me to run events in his dead. Let's put it that way. I know, right? Okay, yeah. So, all right, before we get to the uh, to the main event, it's time for our Mythic Game sponsorship. And I'm going to push the right button this time. Yes, give a prize from Mythic Games. Yay! All right, so uh, every week, Ruben over at Mythic Games provides one of our lucky listeners with $10 in credit to moe-games.com. All you have to do is say the magic word that Aaron 
has already come up with. She looks like Avicenna. There we go. Avicenna. Go ahead and type Avicenna into the chat, and you'll have your opportunity to win. Um, you have to spell it correctly, but capitalization doesn't matter. Um, Someone should probably post it in chat with the correct spelling. Uh, that someone is not me. They've, they've already got it. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, just you. copy what's going on in chat if you can't spell, because yeah, that's exactly. what I would do. Because I can't. I, I, I kind of like purposely started off misspelling it and just see how many people copy what I did. <laughs> and maybe with like the, uh, you know, like the C capitalized, so I can see who's just two copy. C's, one N. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow! Well, it looks like uh, most people here are either really good at copying homework or really good at spelling um, <laughs> old old philosophers' names. Right, here we go. Hit the button. All right, congratulations, Pseudonymster. I'll go ahead and yeah. shoot over to Ruben, and uh, he'll get you all hooked up. Um, and of course, thank you all for listening, and thank you, Mythic Games, for your support. Check them out. They got the stuff. Especially if you like Infinity, and they're based in California. They're nice and local. Yeah. yeah. And they have very fast shipping, especially if you're in California. Like, unreasonably fast shipping. <laughs> Thanks, Ruben. Yeah, it's really just waiting outside your door, waiting for you to just submit it. <laughs> okay, here you go. It's it's you know seriously you. like some you order it like on Monday night and it shows up Wednesday. I don't know how he does it. It's he's outside our door. Yeah, that is what happens. Ruben, please, uh, you can come in. Don't just sit out there. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, tonight um, is our big gay pride episode. We. Um, and we're here to kind of talk about something a little bit different, you know, talk about um, kind of LGBT representation in the games and the community, um, talk about what it is for people who aren't aware, and really just have a platform uh, for discussion for something that needs it. So that's um, why I'm here. Yeah, that's I think that... I think that we should probably start off by saying that both Melanie and I are transgender lesbians. So, yeah, Shocking. we are extremely pride competent. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. I have my degree in pride. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But That's what we specced into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sectorial. Yeah. yeah you, you've got two out of the four letters. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we could get some more, and I'm sure if we dig hard enough, it, it would take some work. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, a, a big part of this is honestly, it's it's why it's important, and I think that this is something that um, people don't understand. Like, I, I see a lot of, I feel like it's actually mostly on forty uh, groups uh, <laughs> where people are like, you know, don't don't talk about it. Get get those politics out of my game. You know, I just want to talk about um, my totally not Nazi fascists burning people alive for purity sakes in the future. Right. And um, (laughs) uh, sometimes that's very not fun because it can be hard to differentiate the people who are doing it because they think it's funny, I guess. And the people who, you know, actually hold those beliefs and they are out there. And that's kind of what is very worrisome, I guess, to people like us. You know, if we are looking into, you know, I think there's 
there's an aspect of gaming that is very kind of scary, I would say, if you are, you know, the more, the farther you are from being a straight, cis, white, Christian man, the mm-hmm. farther you get from that, there, you know, it gets kind of scary because at some level it's, you know, am I safe playing a game with these people who seem to love Nazi figures? <laughs> and like a lot of times it's not, it's it's completely benign, it's completely unharmful, but also we can't tell that at yeah. first, which is yeah. really, you know, that's a difficult thing. Yeah, it's it's actually, it's a little interesting where it's come from and where it's gone. Um, for me, 40K... It was where I got started. It's where a lot of people got started. And what's interesting is that I really was drawn to it by how much it related to like the old heavy metal magazine, um, where it's this very punk rock aesthetic. It is, it is fascist. It's presenting fascism in a negative light and like making it really actually like a direct commentary on like Margaret Thatcher and it's in its inception. Um, and there's always been kind of this overlap between like, metal and punk and gay culture which yeah. i think a lot of people miss you know like like rupaul talks about how uh, drag is punk all the time it, it is straight up counterculture um and <laughs> dating myself um and yeah like this the 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 roots of of gaming actually has its in a way has has its origins in um a lot of this commentary and representation and so it's kind of a um, it's it's kind of sad to see how kind of how far it's gone from the original message and how people seem to miss that. Right. Kind of as it's gone more mainstream, which I you know, suppose uh, is going to happen. Um, but it's really important to, to see uh, diverse people in your gaming group just for the sake of having, you know, not such a, a monocultured game group. Like, that's not fun. You don't want everyone to be exactly like you. And you know, more people playing the game from whatever their background is, is more people to play games with. Yeah, and I think, you know, so my, before I got into all of the tabletop games I'm in now, I was pretty heavily into tabletop RPGs. Um, I was running a Pathfinder game for quite a while. I've been playing tabletop games for a long time. And like, in that space, there's been this huge explosion of like queer people making things, queer people like, getting involved with these. You see so many, you know, uh, there's there's tons of D&D games that are now being streamed online that are just full of LGBT plus people. We're seeing tons of like new games come out there. So, you know, to me, it's this really heartening thing of like when you do kind of lean into that, when you let those people in your, in your, you know, society, when you, when you are not alienating, you know, LGBT plus people, when you're not alienating, you know, racial minorities or whatever, any other marginalized people, you end up with getting this big creative explosion that really helps drive your space. That is really mm-hmm. good. And like, you know, it makes people happy. It makes your games better. Like, it's just a good thing to do. So you should, you should stop <laughs> being mad at the gays. <laughs> they're, they're, they're coming for your weirdly shaped dice. Yeah, um, we don't, we have so many. We weird. actually, um, we are coming for your weirdly shaped, di- shaped dice to turn them all rainbow. So mm-hmm. it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's actually interesting that you mentioned kind of um, uh, through role playing games. Um, 
recently, I'm going to get more details about this out later, but uh, I started a nonprofit about getting uh, specifically board games and role-playing games into the hands of kids that need it most. And the first person that we've even kind of heard from when we were when we were starting to get this idea together was actually a trauma counselor for a middle school. Um, and like, it's absolutely a, a way for people to feel safe in expressing their feelings. Um, you know, because there, there's always much like the, uh, you can hide behind your internet handle, right? Like there is the, this one degree of separation between you and your character that allows you to, um, maybe more truthfully express, um, ways that you feel. Yeah. And yeah, that, that I wonder, I, I could only assume, um, has been a big deal for, uh, for people in the LGBT, LGBT plus community to, yeah, right, there's all the letters, um, <laughs> to, to kind of, uh, you know, explore that about themselves. Um, yeah, that's been a, you know, something that's really nice to have seen in the past, I don't know, probably like decade, I would say, is when there's been kind of this big shift in kind of a lot of gaming spaces where there are spaces that are becoming very clearly welcoming to diverse groups of people. And so you do see, you get a lot of people who are playing games or interacting with games in a way that allows them to, you know, experiment with themselves and their identity. So, you know, I think there's, if you talk to almost any trans person who is also a gamer, they probably will tell you that before they transitioned, they played some game where they played the character, where they played a character in the gender that they eventually would transition to. And like, it's just a great way to do that in a very low risk setting. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, it's it's a really nice thing. It's it's funny that you mentioned that. So I've been playing through uh, Pokemon Crystal which has been agonizing. I forgot how slow <laughs> the first couple of generations of Pokemon are for progression. I've probably put like nine hours into it and haven't got one freaking evolution yet. I'm going insane. It's going to happen. Um, but um, the the silly thing, or not silly, but a really interesting thing I was reading as I was going through like a uh, reading about Pokemon Crystal um, is that for a lot of people, it was their first opportunity to play a game that allowed them to play a female character. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Adam's bad at Pokemon. No, that game is slow. Crystal is so <laughs> slow. Um, yeah, that game is so... I, we shouldn't get on Pokemon because... <laughs> we'll be here all night. You know, the, the previous generation of Pokemon games and a lot of other games, the, the gender of the character is fixed. Where mm -hmm. Pokemon Crystal, you could choose, are you a boy or a girl, right? And that... Uh, you know, so the person like wrote a whole article on it. The comments are full of all kinds of, you know, all sorts of other people that were saying that like, yeah, that was their first opportunity to play a character and feel represented in that uh, either because they were trans or because they were, you know, biological women, even like they play games too. Weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's question. funny it's something small like that. Yeah, are you a boy or a girl in Pokemon is like the biggest trans meme because if that question gives you trouble, there is something going on with your gender. Probably <laughs> um, not is already, really. But... That's funny. Yeah, but there there is a lot of that of people, you know, I think, yeah, you can use games to explore your identity. You can use it to explore morality, society. You can use it to explore all of these really complex, interesting topics in a super 
like safe way that's really nice well um, and i mean it's it's a game it doesn't yeah. technically count and while the people playing the game are real and you have to treat people with uh respect and care the game itself doesn't care mm -hmm. it's a game right yeah and so like you know even when you and i so like you know talking about table i mean uh, about yeah tabletop rpgs it's kind of like well there's a very much a one-to-one -one, like oh yeah you can play as you know a if you want to be if you want to play as a woman you can do that you can try that out and see what it's like um miniature gaming does that as well just less directly i think you know you can i think a lot of people do kind of build up stories about their armies for themselves um you know i think a lot of people do that and it's a great way to explore with like yeah i want my army to be led by this badass woman because i can do that and you know there's a lot of ways for you to kind of build uh kind of meta fantasies about your games that you know can help you to that can help people you know cope or like relate to who they are better i think and that's a really mm -hmm. powerful thing that gaming can do i mean part of it is like as, as you guys talk about this it's sort of like a control thing right so i think you know i i think i can speak for adam in this particular instance which is uh regarding you know there's so much in the world that you can't control right and you know like being being able to to control everything about your little metal toys on the tabletop right gives you and, and like there's zero risk right you you have no exposure if the game doesn't go out well, like your ego gets bruised but you're not like dead so that's fine um uh, and you know just being able to to control the circumstances of like you exploring some part of your identity and being like hey i'm gonna see what it's like to play as a, a, a gender that i want to transition to or whatever it may be right or maybe i'm just like you know maybe i just want to play as like a super extrovert character right mm -hmm. and like i am a horrible horrible introvert and that's like very uncomfortable for me but if i can inhabit this other um personality and sort of explore that maybe i could take that back to my daily life and be more extroverted in situations that i need it i yeah. just realized i think the most the the nerdiest most introverted phrase i can imagine for the introvert trying to play the extrovert is roll for charisma <laughs> <laughs> so I I run a game where I had a player who did that and like I think it's a great way to learn, you know, you can you can have a like a group effort to be like, yeah, here's what you would do if you wanted to be extroverted in this situation. And like <laughs> you know, I have I've played that at the table with players and it's a great experience. Yeah. Even right, though it, it is it does come across as very silly. Um, <laughs> well, it, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say there, there's this kind of so like way way back in my in my early twenties, uh, when I, mo I moved to San Francisco, I didn't know anyone, and I was actually at the time I would say I was fairly fairly introverted. Um, what? Yeah, I, I don't, used to be really I don't understand. Absolutely, didn't want anything to do with anyone. Um, mm. And out of survival, I had to to I I made like an active decision to change that. Like I'm going to I'm going to figure out this not being introverted thing. Um, and a lot of it is kind of like making up this character of who, who I am going out and, you know, doing it the nerdiest way possible. Um, but you know, it can, having that, that level of escapism, being able to abstract something for yourself and then play it out does really give you an opportunity to explore parts of yourself. And they can, 
lead to real change, which is why games can be therapeutic for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think, you know, building off of that, you know, there is definitely a, you know, the, just being able to experiment with things and be like, yeah, if, you know, I want to practice being extroverted. I want to practice being gay. I want to practice, you know, whatever this part of my identity is. You know, I think a lot of people do build that up in gaming spaces because it is, you know, you're you kind of are given a lot of leeway in those spaces that where you can be given a lot of leeway and it's very nice when you get it. Well, and I guess that's probably a really good point that it depends on who you're playing with, which is kind of one of the things sure. we're talking about today. But um, yeah. but games are a great place to just explore lots of things, regardless of who you are or who you want to be or who you think you might be. I mean, games. Games are escapism. They let you try something new and be something you're not. Um, and why the fuck not try something new? Yeah, and it also provides you a safe, structured environment to do so, right? There are rules to games. There are guardrails. <laughs> so, I mean, like decision fatigue is a real thing. Uh, you also, you know, going in there and, and being like, well, I can't do this because the rules say I can't, or there's a framework there to like help me uh, structure the interaction is helpful. Um, <laughs> And, you know, like going back to the role for charisma thing, right? Like I'm super introverted and this is a concrete example. Like I don't have to give the, the, like the fast talk speech that my, you know, arcane trickster rogue is doing in the tavern. I don't, I just say like he fast talks some stuff and basically tries to get this just across. And then I roll for charisma and I'm all good. Right. So yeah. it lets you, it lets you bite off as much as you want um, in, in a, a, like a moderated <laughs> careful way that's that's definitely the the gm gives you a hard puzzle and you're like my character is smart enough to solve this puzzle <laughs> even though i'm not yeah right <laughs> can i roll for intellect instead this hurt yeah definitely <laughs> well, you, well i mean you're probably three margaritas in at that point so absolutely <laughs> if you're not if you're, i'm not drinking while i'm role-playing then then i'm doing a bad job role-playing um okay so uh, interesting. So uh, there's lots of uh, benefits to games. I think we we all agree that we play games for a multitude of reasons, and we uh, we 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 espouse their values to everybody whenever we can because we're nerds and we want more nerds. Um, something that can be uh, maybe something that other people might not understand is actually what it's like coming into gaming from an LGBT perspective. Right? Yeah. Um, and we were fortunate enough to kind of meet you when you both were kind of on your way, uh, you know, entering the, the infinity community. Yeah. And I mean, I, I will say this for myself. I don't know about Melanie, but like, you know, I, I think meeting the two of you and meeting other people who were like just chill, normal people who aren't like the raging gamer nerds that you At see. At least as chill. <laughs> I mean, you're not. You said a lot of adjectives there. One of them is correct. <laughs> you're not throwing out slurs. You're not like you know. There's there's a lot of things that I think if you are kind of just like a straight white person, you probably don't pick up on as being kind of big red flags. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I I mean, so among among LGBT plus people and a lot of other marginalized people, if you go into a gaming space discord and you see a lot of Pepe the Frog memes, mm. there's a good sign that some people there are going to be not good for you. 
And like, sure. these are really small things that I think a lot of people just don't pick up on because it doesn't really affect them. And it's not necessarily to say like, you know, everyone who posts, you know, Pepe the Frog memes is bad or something, but it's also that, you know, they're the things that keep that scare diverse people away from your gaming groups are a lot of times things that you're probably not aware of if you're not a member of those groups. Sure. People people really struggle, especially if you come from a position where you're not marginalized. Um, people really struggle with understanding microaggressions and their significance. Yeah. Right. And small small things um can can be perceived as microaggression and it's not necessarily i don't think it's it is um it, it's not the uh the 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 onus of the person who is marginalized to be responsible for educating every single person you know on every single microaggression they do right and i think that there comes um but at the same but at the same time a lot of those aggressions can be um contextual Right, so I can I can think of uh, an easy example. Uh, Melanie, when when I first met you, um, asking if it's fine if I call you Mel, right? And it's just because you've got like how many syllables do I need to say, you know, like <laughs> you, like ah, oh, there's so many, um, and it's not due to you. Know, it's not because I have any desire to to misgender you or anything like that. Um, uh, but at the same time, somebody that doesn't have a, a similar relationship. Um, or doing some doing a you know performing doing the same thing might be perceived differently, mm -hmm. um, because people have you know I'm sure misgendered you or intentionally used masculine names or pronouns. Um, I had a boss who used Mel because they did not want to gender me correctly. Yeah, see, uh -huh. so and and that's that's a big deal, and that's that's rude and disrespectful, and you know so the these small things that um. I would say if you do if you do experience somebody coming into your game group um, that is LGBT or really LGBT any minority anything but uh, looks like this right uh, <laughs> walks into your gaming group, um, be a little bit aware of your own behavior and what you are saying and why you are saying it. Um, and I think that people that have good and honest intentions, um, other people pick up on that quickly. But it's also like if you don't have good and honest intentions, it's really easy to tell very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think something that a lot of people prob a lot of people who don't experience any marginalization probably don't realize is that, like, we're just exhausted most of the time <laughs> from all of the transphobia that's everywhere. Like, if you are a trans person and you are on Twitter and you follow any trans people, any day you look at Twitter, you're going to see transphobia. It's just like... Yeah. It's just so pervasive. It is everywhere. You know, you know, earlier today, I got to watch a video of a pastor who said that gays should be mowed down with a gun. And it's like, this is kind of the baseline that we're dealing with. That's just extremely normal and extremely just kind of banal. And so, you know, when we're when if you have if you have people who are making, you know, insensitive jokes to you, it will come across as like, oh, this person's making an insensitive joke. It's not a big deal. But, you know, to us, it's like, yeah, this is like the fifth insensitive joke we've heard today. And it's just not it's like I don't want to, uh, you know, I want to I'm here to play games. I'm here to have fun. I want to just enjoy time with my friends. 
And it just gets so exhausting when it's like, oh, but, you know, we're okay with that guy who's saying all of these things. And it's... Well, it, it's yeah. funny that you said that, because what you said is the exact same thing that the people say who who don't... I don't want the politics in my game. Like, you don't want... Like, you're there to play games and have fun, too. You don't want to deal with any, their bullshit. Yeah. And, <laughs> right? and, like, I, I think one of the biggest things is that, like... The, the politics that we're usually talking about are really small things. Like, I, people in your chat are, people in the Twitch chat are joking about this, and I think a lot of people in the Infinity uh, group have, have seen this, but there was, you know, a guy who wanted to, on the Infinity forums, wanted to sculpt large breasts onto one of his uh, oh, big oh, stocky robot models. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's... Yeah, you know, it's... It's the kind of thing that I think if you were being a little bit thoughtful, you would go like, yeah, if there are women in this group, they're probably going to be weirded out by that, and I just shouldn't do it. But then you don't think about that, I guess, and you go ahead and do it, and then people call you weird, and then people say like, oh, well, don't put politics in here. And it's like, well, don't do weird shit. <laughs> well, yeah, I Stop I sculpting mean, boobs on your on your minis. You, you, you must know by now that there are, you know, there's there's two genders, right? Male and political and, <laughs> and two, two races and two sexualities. Like, yeah, it's just... yeah. And it's, yeah. It's just, it's very tiresome and then people get all upset when you're like, hey, you know, just be a normal, like please don't be super weird about stuff. But that's that's a bridge too far for some people I guess. And that's that's mostly what we're asking people because like most people are super conflict averse. So like, mm -hmm. you know, as trans people, we're probably not going to speak up if, you know, someone says something shitty to us. You like, learn very quickly to just bite your tongue and eat it. Yeah. Just, you know, you just go on with your day because nothing's going to be gained from like trying to interact with these people or arguing with them. And so it's like, yeah, it's like when people start speaking up, that's probably a sign that you have, you know, you need to like actually start doing some like gardening in your community mm -hmm. to kind of make it a nicer place that isn't actively hostile to some people. Right. If 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 you're speaking up, it's it's after a long time of not. Yeah, that's um, typically yeah. what happens, and it's you know, it's very annoying because yeah, it usually comes after you know like. I think the C the the Corvus Belly forums are kind of we've talked about them before. Everyone knows they're a shit show, but it's like, you know, their policy has basically been no politics, and their policy has basically always been like, if two people start arguing, just shut down the the thread. Sure. And it doesn't matter what you're arguing about. So if I get into an argument with somebody and he says that all trans people are mentally ill. And I say, no, they're not. You're being transphobic. And then the mod comes in and says, both of you cut it out. Like, you're very right. clearly like the. It's it's there. I think there's this kind of putting together a couple of things that you said where people people want are are conflict diverse, right? And I think that also goes for people that are. So this is important for people that are moderating communities, people that are running game communities, or just other good Samaritans in game groups. A lot of people tend to correct towards their normal, right? So it's like in this case, um, in the in the, the case of the, the issue you mentioned with the CD forums, they're correcting towards uh, cis white hat narrative, right? Um, yeah. As opposed to 
correcting towards something that makes people feel safe and welcome in your community, right? Yeah. And um, to correct towards something that will make people feel safe in their community is going to raise um, is going to to raise alert in the person who who makes the 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 bigoted claim, um, and they're you know they're going to put up a much bigger stink about it. Where like what you mentioned, like you're tired of dealing with this crap, and you're not like you're just be like, fine, I'm just not going to do the forms anymore, right? Right, yeah. and that's ultimately not good for the community because that's pushing people away that want to actively participate. Yeah, it you know it. You know, I don't see much point to posting on the CB forums because I do like there's a whole bunch of people there who have been sexist or transphobic or homophobic to me specifically. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, they're still posting and you expect me to just like hop into a conversation and like treat them like they're they're normal people who have normal like there's I. I, mean, I probably shouldn't say like they're normal people like they very much are very normal people, but like I don't it's just not fun for me to interact with that in a forum about a game that's supposed to be fun like yeah you know, yeah you kind of have to do if you don't get rid of like the big troublemakers in your communities then you're going to yeah you're going to like knock away all of the people who they're making trouble about right well, so this it also kind of, it also doesn't really take that much right like in in terms of the negative side of things. It takes a lot of work to make it become positive, but it's very mm -hmm. easy for it to spiral into a cesspool. So yeah. you know, if you look at the forums, as just continue harping on that example, um, the list of people that are causing problems is pretty small, right? There are yeah. there are people that sort of pile on occasionally, um, but by and large, the repeat offenders is a is a relatively small list. So yeah, they're ruining it for everybody. Is really what I'm getting at. Yeah, the, uh, I, the one bad apple ruins the whole bunch. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a good point. Is that like you know in most communities, most people are good. I think like, you know, we don't. The the issue for I think if you are a trans person, the fear isn't that you're going to have one person be mean to you. It's that there might be somebody in the group who could become violent. That's kind of always the biggest fear, like, and you actually going to hurt you. Yeah, that's kind of the fear that you generally have if you are interacting with, you know, people who are being bigoted, is you are afraid that these people might actually become a physical threat to you at some point in the future. Yeah. So you just don't interact with those communities. And the vast, vast majority of people are great and are not like that. But then you get, you know, two or three or four people who are acting like that consistently. And it's like, well, I don't want to take that risk anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's the. I mean, we we knew about this as children. It's the whole like sticks and stones will break your bones. It's like, yeah, that's an that's an option for some people, right? So we yeah, have to. I'd prefer they didn't. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. And so, well, so this gets a little bit into the uh, not being a dickhead isn't enough. Sure. Right. Uh, yeah. It if you are. It, it it takes a lot to speak up, especially speaking up um, against somebody who is a, a longtime game uh, opponent of yours, somebody in your club or your community, uh, maybe even a friend that you didn't know held these thoughts. Um, but it's it's really important 
to to speak up and help people correct their behavior. I also think that people, you know, a lot of people need to be educated about their behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people either don't know a gay person or don't know that they know a gay person or any LGBT members. Um, and like a little bit of education can go a long way, but also at the same time, like, you know, it's not uh, the job of every LGBT plus person to teach every other person the history of, of, of you know, why they are um, treated poorly. So I feel like don't be a dick. What is it? The Wheaton rule yeah. uh, is is not enough in a lot of spaces that try and have it set as their policy for how to treat other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the times, though, the number one rule will just be don't be a dick. And that'll be the rule that's posted. But not being a dick doesn't really absolve anybody of all the responsibility or really change the behavior of the group. People sure. people have different opinions of what being a dick means, so there's that. But also, um, just like, you have to be, you have, <laughs> my stupid policy brain wants to say the phrase affirmatively furthering. You have to, um, you have to welcome people in. It's not just about being, not being a dick to people. It's about making them feel wanted, respected, and accepted at, in who you are. And so it's not just, hey, let's all be nice to each other. It's like, hey, let's all recognize who we are as people and be nice to each other and be okay yeah. with each other. And yeah, like, go on. I was say, it's not just not being a dick, it's being the anti-dick. Yeah. And like, you know, there's there's a lot of... <laughs> That's what transness is, really. <laughs> um, you know, I think that like, You know, there's a lot of very, like, there's a lot of very small, very minimal things. Like, just, you know, putting up, like, a sticker on your, you know, storefront that says you're, like, welcoming to, you know, queer people is usually a pretty good step to take. Like, it doesn't do much, but it does kind of set a standard of, like, yeah, we're going to try to work towards this. And then, you know, I hope you're not tricking me. I hope, you know, I don't show up and you're actually just the worst. But... You know, even though it is so small and insignificant, I probably do feel a little bit better going into some place that has, like... This is a safe space. Yeah. And, like, it's such a minimal thing. It says very, very little, but, like, it shows that the, that, like, this group or this, yeah, this group is, like, thinking about this, and they're, it's something they care about instead of, like, some weird stuff that other... I actually think that it... It doesn't. It might not necessarily um, attract um, LGBT customers, but it also might more actively repel uh, bigoted customers. Yeah, um, sometimes that's what you need. Unfortunately, it was kind of funny. Last week, I went to Seaside, which is this little like really wet, mossy, sleepy beach town here that has like the scariest carnival rides. You, you know that you're like yeah sure I'll put my kid on there but I won't get on there uh, <laughs> and uh, it was funny walking through and all the stores had um, a a little flyer in there talking about like the the pride parade that they're gonna have next week um, except for the one t-shirt store that had the let's go Brandon t-shirt front and center <laughs> and it was like well I'm not going in there. Um, it was just funny noticing that like 
it had both that shirt and the the conspicuous lack of the flyer that is on nearly every other business's window on the whole street. Um, so yeah, like if you want to be a welcoming and inclusive, put that up, and you'll also find out the people you know that that you didn't want in your group to begin with. Right. Yeah. And like yeah. Yeah. So and I'm. <laughs> Funnily enough, the rules to the Dice Abide live server, which I wrote, start with number one: don't be a dick. Yeah, it's a great starting point. Yeah, but you it's probably a baseline. yeah, it's a baseline. Yeah, it's it's a good baseline, but like, you know, I think that there's a lot of times where don't be a dick. If you are a marginalized person, something that tends to happen a lot is you get very frustrated dealing with people who are being bigoted, and a lot of times you have to. Dealing with people who are being bigoted is like a whole thing that's awful, and you get very sick of it very quickly, and you lose your patience very quickly. And so the don't be a dick thing a lot of times can turn around and bite marginalized people in the butt because Mm -hmm. we're sick of telling people like, hey, you know, what, you know, saying that all trans people are mentally ill, that's transphobic. And then they'll go like, well, no, it's actually not. It's what, you know, I read a doctor. Yeah, why are you starting a fight? You're getting all aggressive here. And like, then, you know, you end up being painted as the dick and it's like, well, this is why don't be a dick doesn't really work. It's a great Mm -hmm. starting point, but people will say like, oh, if you're calling out something bad happening, you're being a dick to me. You need to be more polite about it. And it it doesn't really help anyone. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, I just brought it up because A, it's it's amusing. Uh, (laughs) B, uh, like the the, the sort of side discussion that's going on in chat is absolutely right. It is it it is a very lazy policy. Uh, I I definitely was being extremely lazy when I wrote it because I was in a rush. Um, And we could do better. (laughs) Thankfully, our community, uh, we curate not with any real active... you I mean, I by know. having a show that has a pride episode. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, like you know, I don't think we've ever banned anybody unless that happened when I wasn't paying attention. Is I, that I've why never... I'm still here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've, I've never had to, like, you know, wade in and moderate any discussion, really. Um, so thank you, guys. But I think, that we, I think that we have, I mean, frankly, I think that we've cultivated our, our audience. Sure, sure. Like, you can um, say that we groomed them. Um, is the, the right. way that everyone's using these days, right? Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll figure out a better policy. But nevertheless, I, I, this, I, this isn't this isn't meant to be a call out. Like if you no. are if you run a space that has like don't be a dick as your policy, that's it's probably not an issue. But sometimes you know when you start seeing that marginalized people are driven away, when you start enforcing this in ways that are like stopping conflict rather than trying to address the kind of core issue, that's when you need to start thinking like, hey, we should probably be updating our policies so that it's not just don't get in arguments with each other, like the CB forums, which are very toxic, partially because of that. I mean, I I guess, uh, you know, to to put, continue, I guess, throwing myself under the bus here, uh, (laughs) you know, at, at one point, in my life, it was just kind of like my attitude towards uh, LGBTQ plus people is just sort of like, eh, you know, I mean, like, I'm not that thing. I don't know anything about that thing. The best way I can contribute with the time and energy I have is just to like treat them the same as everybody else and just like be like, people. yeah, it's just like, all right, you're a person, you do things. Uh, I'm just going to ignore you because I'm very introverted and that is comfortable for me. 
Um, so I just did that, but that's not sufficient enough anymore because of what's happening in the world today. So, yeah. you know, like this is just sort of an example of like the, like the, anybody who, who reads the don't be a dick policy is like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It just moves on with their day. Right. Like are, is like a person that feels to me like is, is, is going to be rational in argument and like be generally positive and inclusive. Right. Uh, that's not always the case. Um, but I, you know, I think part of the episode, like the part of the reason we're doing this episode is like just being chill is insufficient. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really, I mean, I think one of the things that, um, a lot of people don't articulate is that playing with people who are different from you is better than playing with people who are all the same. And I don't, I'm not just saying for novelty sake or just for diversity sake, but the fact is you get new ideas, you get new takes, you get new perspectives. Mm -hmm. There's a billion, seven billion, eight billion people out there, all of whom are different and unique and getting more of those shades just makes things better in general. And you have to welcome that and seek it out. Um, Just saying don't be a dick is not seeking it out. It's just trying to treat everybody like, okay, you're all just going to be good and like chill and what somebody might be chill with might not be chill to somebody else. Lauren, Lauren. Uh, oh my God. She said something the other day. Cause we were talking about prepping for this episode and she, she said like, I, I think I made some special joke about, you know, um, women and feminists and LGBT people. They all just want to be like, you know, treated specially. And like, she was like, well, you know what? Don't treat us specially. Just treat us the way you treat every other straight white male. (laughs) I think that's wrong. I think what the truth is, is we do want to be treated normally and like people, and we want the men not to be. So (laughs) if you get the half of it, you you just got to go off the top. It's that, uh, it's that, um, was it equity versus equality? Yeah, exactly. Um, And digging the hole for men is exactly where we're at now. <laughs> I'll take it. I guess I have to. It's about it's about time. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is mostly joking. Yeah. Although, so, yeah. If people haven't figured that out yet. Um, yeah. Men tend to be the scary people in society, which is the unfortunate. Which is the part that's making it a little bit less joking. But <laughs> honestly, if you're offended, get the hell off my channel. Like, <laughs> but I mean, th- that's a good way of. Aaron kind of flippantly said it, but like. It's a good way of how shitty gender roles hurt everybody. Mm-hmm. Men are the scary mm-hmm. ones, even though all men aren't scary. But men buy <laughs> men buy into their old bullshit um, in the sense that society really pushes a specific way for men to be, and other men force that on other men. Sure, and just like sure. other women force femininity on other women, and you get yeah. this propagating just bullshit of people acting their roles. And the truth is you have to see people as people and treat them with respect and like people, not just a box, whatever that box you may be slotting them into is. Yeah. And this really, to, to make sure we tie, tie all this back to, um, to our topic at hand, which is like playing game, having a, a <laughs> friendly space for, for the games. It is, um, I think you should. People need to be able to feel empowered to speak up against wrong that they see. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that silence is adequate or enough because silence is really being complicit um, in a lot of ways. Um, so if it's the see something, say something 
uh, attitudes is really what people need to have in order to have a healthy game group in general, like not just for LGBT people, um, but for for anybody who could be marginalized or even people that, that can't be. Like if somebody's being a jerk to someone else, and even if they are being a jerk to another straight white man, like sometimes it helps to speak up and be like, dude, you're really being a jerk to him, right? Like knock it off. Yeah, there's like a, you know, there's a baseline level of kindness that can sometimes be absent from some communities. And having it, I think, is always a good thing. And I, I yeah. feel like that's a very obvious thing to say. But like, there are, you know, we play we play a lot of video games. And there are lots of video games where, you know, if anybody logs on right now, they're going to go get called slurs over Mike, like, mm -hmm. by playing. And like... You know, I think we should we should probably be aiming for the gaming space where people aren't just randomly saying slurs. Like, that's my what? crazy idea. <laughs> but but it's just like you yep. know, if you can curate your space to just kind of have a baseline level of like kindness of just treating people like they're human beings who you know you want to play games with, you're there to have fun. This is this is the trans agenda. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and, make, and make it rainbow and pastel colors. There we go. Uh, Everything. Something flippantly said, but worth reiterating, is um, this isn't the time to stay silent. I mean, shit's gotten bad. <laughs> like, um, laws are being written to fuck over trans and gay people constantly. We see uh, shootings targeting people of color across the country. Like, this isn't the time to let your friends make shitty jokes. Yeah. Um, it's Absolutely. time to stand up for people and actually take care of people like people as opposed to just kind of letting things go. And uh, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but com people are conflict avoidant and just don't want that conflict. But sometimes it's sometimes it's a righteous fight and you have to push. You have to do what's right, even if it's going to cause that uncomfortableness. Mm -hmm. And you know, some, and if you get on top of these issues quickly. They, they can be pretty small conversations. It's usually yeah. just, hey, you know, can you be more respectful? Would you please not do this? Hey, here's why this thing that you said was, you know, kind of hurtful. Could you not do it going forward? And it's usually a pretty simple, straightforward, easy conversation that, you know, one person's going to feel a little bad afterwards and then they'll get over it. Well, and there's the trick. So if you are the person on the receiving end of that conversation, take it to heart, but don't, but give yourself some compassion. Like, if you're trying to be a better person and trying not to be shit to people, that goes a long way. Even if it's not enough, even if you're being a shithead and it's not enough, keep working at it. And you yeah. can be like, oh, yeah, I actually like, wow, my actions have this impact. I hurt somebody. That's not who I want to be. I'm going to keep learn from this. I'm going to make amends and I'm going to keep getting better. Um, even if it's a little thing, you don't. OK, actually, this is worth saying. Um, when you misgender a trans person, you do not need to do the whole cis apology tour. Um, you don't have to go on TV and be like, I'm so sorry I called you the wrong name. I don't do this to any of my friends. I, we all make, we all fuck up. We're human, and which is really all this comes back down to. Like, say, realize what you did, apologize for it, and just move on and do better in the future. I mean, that, that works in so many situations. And I just a little bit to add on that is we had, we had touched on this briefly before. You know, I think a lot of people probably don't know any trans people, I would say. I think that's sure. missing. Yeah, we're currently at a point where missing out. 
I mean, it's true. Trans people are extremely cool, but that's a whole topic for another day. Um, But like, you know, I think people don't, people very, I think a lot of people don't know trans people. And one of the issues of that is that the, the image a lot of people have in their minds is something that is, it's not a very true image. It is a lot of times something that's been cultivated by, uh selectively chosen clips that are shared on the internet so we've all seen you know multiple videos of trans women freaking out at someone because they got misgendered that's not what happens most of the time like that's almost always someone who's you know having a bad day and is at the end of their road if you're in a gaming group with someone and you accidentally do it no one like it's very unlikely someone's going to flip out at you because that's just not a thing that you know most trans people are pretty chill are pretty calm and aren't going to like We've learned that it not, you know not much happens if you start an argument or a fight over something. So like, yeah, we're totally chill, normal people. We're not here to eat you. I mean, people don't just immediately think of like Norbit. No, it's. <laughs> it's. I was talking to my dad recently, and he was expressing fear of going to on vacation in Portland because you know there's it's just a constant fight between the antifa and the proud boys and like yeah. you two live in portland you know that's completely false like i can see the smoke from here it's just constantly burning and it has been yeah and you know just like that us trans people were constantly freaking out over the littlest things uh yeah and also stealing your children for drag shows exactly yeah absolutely and also antifa yeah mm-hmm. somewhere in there it's all it's all the same thing it's all antifa yeah um, so basically what i'm saying is don't believe stuff don't believe weird videos you see on the internet <laughs> to get an idea of what a community of people is like but it is true that every every everyone named karen is that is accurate but that one is accurate yeah, that one's yeah true. unfortunately um it's the one thing we can't beat so shall we um I, th- I think we've done a, a pretty good job, unless there's um, more specific points you think about in general having um, LGBT representation within a community. It'd be kind of fun to talk a bit about how LGBT is represented in Infinity in the nerd game. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. Let's, let's get let's get all of our sweet fanfic going. Okay, right. so the first, the most important fanfic point is that Karoshi Ryder is a trans woman. <laughs> Uh, okay. Okay. And she is a trans lesbian, and she's in a relationship with Shinobu. Mm-hmm. This is all you need to know. Oh, it's it's canon. It's, okay. it's perfect because they're both like these secret identities who don't get to talk about who they are. Like, can't prove it wrong. Yeah, you can't prove it wrong. They like both murder a bunch of people on missions. It's great. Can't this is my wrong. this is my head canon. You cannot you cannot prove a negative. It's true. Awesome. It is it is there. It is possible. But so there but there are characters that are canonically trans. Yeah. Um so actually here's a question. I know we've done a bit of research into characters that are canonically trans, um, just especially in like Aaron's and mine random tangents. Um, but are there are there any characters that you know of that are canonically gay? No, I was thinking about this and trying to find it, and I can't there I don't think there are. That's it, funny. Unless it's buried in some background somewhere. Um, I, mean, I, I can't find it. I don't anything. know what goes on at Myrmidon Boot Camp, but I, yeah, I was gonna say at least, at least, at least explicitly. Cause, cause yeah, we, we have, have some minis to stuff. show you later. But there are uh, lots of things that look gay, sound gay. Like if we're doing like the duck, if it qu- looks like a duck and quacks like a duck test, there's lots of gay people. But I don't think lore-wise, I'm not aware of anything. Except yeah. um, 
I know that in Toha lore, they explicitly say that gay people are totally normal. Um, and Toha are all in like weird little well, triangles. Okay, but Paul, okay, but they missed it on Toha. Everything in their society revolves around threes, and there's not three default genders. Come on, it was right there. Oh, geez. Yeah. But I, am a, I need a new color flag because I'm a trisexual. That flag is holographic. Like, so, all right. So, but characters that are. So, we've got um, Trish? Trisha? Trisha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Melanie keeps telling me so, this. <laughs> she knows all the lore. Okay. So, CB decided to make three trans characters, one for each of their main Infinity games. So, okay. Defiance got Trisha. And her background is generally that she was a male L host that, when she was reissued, requested to be put into a female L host. Interesting. Um, So she is canonically trans, like, without weirdness or strangeness. She just was a male L host that has now decided she is a female L host. Um, And, yeah, and is the Defiance trans character. Mm -hmm. And that's actually kind of a little bit interesting when you think about, I mean... You could probably think way too far in this, and if I had was a little bit stoned, I probably would. When it comes to like, what does it mean for an AI to have a to a have a gender, and then to b be able to have determination in that gender? Um, have we had this conversation? No. <laughs> I've definitely thought about this. I love this. I think it would be a great sci-fi story topic. Like, there's so right. much to dig into, but we don't yeah. need to. <laughs> That could, def- I mean, that 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 legitimately could be like a, a book. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's an interesting one, and I love this model, also especially because it's giving me like my full Daryl Hannah fantasy right here. <laughs> so I'm I'm living for it. Uh, funny little story. My father's name is Daryl, and we didn't find out um, the the sex of Jean when uh, Lauren was pregnant, partially to troll my family. Um, actually, mm. largely to troll both of our families. Yeah, because that, it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it I, was did, super, I didn't know this, but this makes a lot of sense now that I'm hearing it. Right, like it was super irrelevant to us and our decision making. We had no problem buying clothes that were going to be adorable on whatever amorphous blob, you know, human shaped blob, um, that it was. But like, my mom could not handle it. And when when it started getting close, and she's starting to bug us about names because we also kept any names that we were keeping. A secret mm. um, to the day she was born, even though we had well determined it. But we were just going with, well, we're going to go with a family name, Daryl. Mm. Right? And it's like, well, what if, what if it's a girl? And we're like, Daryl. <laughs> 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 and and uh, my mom was none too pleased with that. But I, I liked that name. I I think in I, I think kids today, I'm worried about bullying for your child if she was named Daryl, but uh, I feel like also we're just kind of, na- gendered names are going out the window at an unprecedented rate. So. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's well, a lot I, of... Yeah. Got Jean to start t- I've told Jean enough times that now she's starting to tell other people that she was named after my favorite pants and that Ruben was named after our uh, mom's favorite sandwich. That's nice. It's <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. She knows well it's not true, but like she sees the reactions I get when I tell other people, so now she is trolling people. <laughs> she is my daughter. <laughs> the, the fruit is not far fall from the tree. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, Trisha started, uh, yeah, male uh, lost 
put into a female Lost um, when they were rebuilt or reassembled or okay. yeah. re-sleeved. Yeah, and this is just like sticky. this is a very kind of boring normal like yeah if you did this like this is absolutely fine trans rep there's nothing special going on here i don't think yeah although the cat is a nice touch <laughs> <laughs> the cat's great i really like the cat yeah. um so next up we have probably the the most uh most talked about um trans character in infinity and that is fiddler which also like for us as i think we have a lot of complicated feelings about fiddler because Mm -hmm. the first thing is that in the lore they go and dead name her right away to like yeah like it's like in the first sentence like yeah her her old name is this and like among trans people that's not a cool thing to do you're generally just like not supposed to to use that, so like, could That's be better. A interesting. Yeah. Uh, then uh, also her background lore is she started out in the Russian part of Ariadna territory, and apparently mm-hmm. they're super transphobic, along with the Americans. Wow, <laughs> who could have seen oh, that in coming? the Infinity lore? Yeah, yeah. So that she flees there. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. So she flees from there to go become like an Aristea star. And I guess in the process becomes a monkey furry. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, that is basically the lore. Um, before she gets an Aristea, she moves to Bakunin and starts experimenting, <laughs> as we all do, um, and slowly rebuilds her gender, basically, into being a woman, and then decides she's more and more monkey and keeps building herself into a monkey, Yeah, as we all do. And I think that uh, in the dead naming in her lore is not great, but otherwise, like, I think both of us know at least one person who could be this trans person <laughs> in real life. Like... This is a furry who's really into like robotics or mechanics is very much a specific type of trans person. That's... And so like I wasn't gonna go there. That's why I brought you here to say the things that I can't. Yeah. Um, we're allowed to say that I can't count how many people that is on one hand. Right. Well, so I, I had an interesting little bit of a reaction to to Fiddler, much like uh, I, I think um, kind of my first take on Avicenna, which is I, my concern with her background, and maybe it's maybe it's fine, and maybe I'm overthinking it, right? Like this is the uh, the cis white head apology to her, um, but the idea that she needed to dehumanize herself mm-hmm. in the process. Yeah. So I had a friend I talked to about um, Fiddler, and I was like, "Holy shit! They're putting her in Infinity. I love this character. Here's all." The- and this friend just, um, they look at me and goes, yeah, but they're turning themselves into a monkey. It's like that, uh, what's his name? Ricky Gervais joke. Joke about people, trans people being like identifying as monkeys. And so they didn't take it well at all. Like they're like, I'm not sure. about this character. Yeah, it's, it's a weird uh, dynamic because on the one hand, this is a person who I probably know in real life. But on the other hand, you know, uh, someone like Trisha is probably is a much safer choice for who to go with and isn't going to piss anyone off. And mm-hmm. like, I do think that there is there is a potential for 
you know, Fiddler's whole thing being kind of an issue because when you have cis people writing her, because sure. I think a lot of cis people don't understand the nuances and the a lot of the stuff that you know trans people deal with and just like basics of trans life and identity. And so when you have other people writing that, it can end up very weird <laughs> when you're starting to talk about someone who like turns into a monkey, a robot. Yeah. And it's yeah. like this this is right on the edge of being weird. And as long as they don't write anything else, it's probably fine. But right? like it, it, it's mean, interesting. Well, it, it kind of gives the opportunity to explore the idea that in this sci-fi universe where um, where sleeving exists, like what are the extents that you can push that technology? Um, it is although a bit troubling when you use that same story for a different change as well, the same character where you can kind of get crossed and miss signals there that uh, maybe say things you don't intend to or that you didn't think about and just like, yeah, sure, whatever monkeys meet. I mean, I see this entirely as an engineering problem, right? She rides that like wheel thing around and <laughs> you need a way to balance. So like a tail seems a very natural solution to that. And I just sort of moved on. But apparently there's a lot more implications that I wasn't aware of. Well, it, uh, the, the model in Aristea, John, is literally a chimp. Ah. Yeah, the Aristea model is much weirder. Yeah. And I am very glad they... Re-fit her. For yeah, her. if Fair she enough. had been the same in Infinity, it would have been extremely strange. Yeah. It His is miniatures gorgeous. weird mm-hmm. in... Yeah, but it's pretty weird in Aristea. Actually. I will say that Personally, um, we'll get to Avicenna, who is a whole nother. Avicenna <laughs> whole nother to talk about. Yeah, I'm but, so excited. <laughs> that's a whole gender book there. Um, <laughs> but uh, Fiddler, really, I think the way they're trying to play it off and the way it comes across to me personally is that she's just all about self-expression. And yeah. it's practical in that she can have a mechanical tail that lets her do cool mechanic shit because she's a cool mechanic. And, like, she's just, fuck it, I'm going to be who I am. And that person is just a unicycle riding monkey. <laughs> yeah, well, but honestly, like, the artwork, the artwork is extremely expressive. The miniature is extremely expressive. Her lore is extremely expressive, right? So, like, that's that's pretty cool, right? It's, it's, the, literal ch- it's the literal chimp miniature like that that little direction not that she has a monkey tail and is like dehumanizing herself right as a human but more that the the interim step was monkey right (laughs) but i think again i i think it can be maybe um i think that was easy to say probably it probably wasn't malicious Um, i I want to give cb the benefit of the doubt because they haven't been i don't I haven't noticed anything malicious or really galling besides the forums, Whoa. which isn't really CB. Sure. Kind of sure. them. They but... play a little bit fast and loose with racism. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, and in religions. terms of gender, I... Yeah, yeah. I'm for that stuff. Yeah. And just, like, the Druze being completely evil and all bad guys is mm, kind of iffy. Sure. There's, there's definitely... I. CB does have needs to hire some sensitivity readers to like go through and go like, are you sure you want to do this? That's not maybe the what you want to do. I, yeah, they are a country that was still fascist until living memory. 
So they're 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 they're, they're, they're coming from a little further. I would say that they're a couple steps behind. Yeah, but I, it does seem like they're trying to do the right thing yeah. most of yeah. the time. So I do tend to give them kind of the benefit of the doubt, unlike. Well, and what I will say is like, like all three of the the models. So like Avicenna is the the one we're going to talk about next. Like, I don't think any of the the miniatures. The cool thing about all three of the miniatures is that none of them like look trans. Right. Like, I think I think Trisha actually looks kind of trans in the best possible way. Um, and Melanie can tell me if she agrees with it. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on, Melanie's pulling up something horrifying. I am pulling up a really good example of how to do this wrong. Oh, well, I was going to say, this is why we don't give you guys control of the screen. Um, this is. <laughs> but here, here is the Games Workshop uh, Ogre female. Oh yeah, no. So the, uh, the 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 female ogre with the beard. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. Right. So actually, what's what? What I will say in well, there's lots of things here. Uh, there's there's a lot here to unpack. The the beard though, if I remember correctly, from when this miniature came out, because I was playing when that model came out, because I'm old. Um, is the 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 beard is to pr- to pretend to be a male ogre to be allowed to fight is sure. and it's still a woman or a man in a dress joke it's still, what it yeah off. exactly is what it is right um and i mean given uh games workshops history i'm a i'm much <laughs> less you know inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt considering well, we can talk about that when, when we talk a little bit about gay coding later but like they had one character one character that was that was gay coded and then they like nuked them from orbit um for, for Andrew Sigmar. Um, oh, like, I was going to yep. say, well, if it's 40K, they probably literally did that. <laughs> yeah. no, no mention of the model has ever happened again. It doesn't exist. It was a stormcast. Um, gone. What are you talking about? Awesome. But, yeah, so um, Avicenna. This one is the... Avicenna is the, the, the interesting one because... Um, so they, the, do you want to do the lore background? Why don't you go ahead? So I think you can correct me on anything I get wrong. I believe the lore background is Aleph made a recreation of the medieval, I don't actually know my ancient time periods, uh, Islamic Dr. Avicenna, who was, uh, you know, a major stepping stone in basically modern medicine. Yeah, Um, so that's a picture of what Avicenna is supposed to look like in real life. Uh, Avicenna was created in real life was like the medical textbook for 500 years, mm-hmm. like set up the rules of medicine and was a very well known old world doctor, basically. So in Infinity, the lore is that Aleph uh, creates a recreation of Avicenna. And in case anyone's listening who's not an Infinity player, that's just a little uh, they they use AI magic to make a robot that's the same as a historical person, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, like, other, like other examples include Achilles, Joan of Arc, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. William Wallace. Yeah. 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 That one's weird. Anyway, <laughs> all of them are weird in some way. But um, anyway, so the story is they create Avicenna as a gift for the Islamic faction. It gets stolen, right? No, well, so they create it as a gift for Hawk Islam. The, and the Hassassins decide this is Aleph trying to cozy up to us and get too close. Which is what so happens also with Wallace in our right. 
Right. So we're going to steal this recreation and work with the nomads who are notoriously transgender. And um, but really, the 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 assassins and the nomads steal the recreation and want to keep it away from Aleph. So they scrub its memory. They scrub its personality. They disconnect it from everything Aleph and they give it a new body, which to hide from Aleph is a woman. Yeah. And then the the so so it's currently sounding it doesn't currently sound trans because it's a, a cis a person who we presume is a cis man being shoved against their will into a female body. And this would right. this would be a very distressing thing. Except that in the lore Al uh is totally fine with this. She's yeah, like, her yeah, personality merges with the old personality, is what it says, and she's just like, yeah. I'm going to go be live in luxury and uh, what does it say? She's like prone to her indulgences, which is what the original Avicenna was in medieval times or whatever. Mm. So they turn her into a person, a doctor party girl is who they have decided. Avicenna party is. Girl. That's what I call her from now on. And um, so I think the our final analysis of her gender is like some weird kind of non-binary. <laughs> She's apparently. Totally fine being a man. Also, totally fine being a woman. Not really. She doesn't have much of an opinion on which one she'd rather be. But right now, she's fine being a woman. And you know, that's that's well, so, so in a similar situation. <laughs> well, to, okay. So, uh, so to to turn this all the way back to our earlier conversation regarding RPGs allowing you to explore your sexuality, right? Like in a world where you can resleeve into a different gender, like a, a different physical gender, right? Like and you're effectively immortal now, why not try it out? So this is actually a super interesting thing to, I think, trans people, because if you are trans, you go, the, the why not is, well, if you have been, if you've lived as the wrong gender, you very quickly discover you don't like it. It's pretty <laughs> sure. awful. Um, and so this is part of why I think Avicenna is fascinating, because she's fine being either gender, <laughs> Yeah. So, so like, I think it gets pan-gendered. What? She's kind of pan like she's bi-gendered, I think. <laughs> well, it's it's a sci-fi setting, right? So I think that yeah. in sci-fi settings creating fictional situations that that aren't replicable at least with modern uh biology and technology like it it's fair I think it's fair to come up with um yeah, new new she is new gendered, right? That is a, a gender that doesn't really have a direct parallel to what there is today yeah especially because she's an ai-ish thing at the end of the day yeah so similar to trisha right yeah i think where it gets weird and because i'm not <laughs> all this gender swapping that's normal uh i think where it gets weird is that her personality is written so yeah. she is created to be a medieval man who the nomads decide, mm, we're going to erase that. The Black Hand is going to rewrite it entirely as a medical doc or medical student woman and just write a whole new personality. And so, like, Avicenna, the old medieval man, was forcibly turned into this medical doctor woman. But then it gets all wonky because of sci-fi that it all blends together and it's like, okay, yeah, now we're good with it. Like, I mean, the Black Hand, you know, the same folks who brought us 
Hollow Man, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the same folks who, folks who brought us Pupniks and then legally required that Pupniks are not people. Yeah, exactly. So uh, fair to say that um, ethics, at least in the Infinity background, is not the the strong suit of the Black Hand. Or sorry, no, it was Black Hand. Um, yeah, it was the Black Hand. Praxis, yeah. Black Labs. Yeah, Praxis. Thank you. So she's I. So my my opinion, my my you know, as the 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 cis white male in the room, uh, my opinion about this character and their gender is that she's not not really trans because it isn't necessarily a willful expression of herself, but she's also not obviously against what she is currently residing in anyhow. Yeah, I think I think if you're being very pedantic about it, she probably qualifies as transgender because she was a gender and sure. is now a different one. And if you are going literally on what the words mean, sure. But I think, yeah, I think she's probably envy, like some kind of new gender, some kind of I just don't give a fuck. I am a person who's going to enjoy the things I enjoy in life, regardless in be who, whatever expression that takes, which just happens to be a conventionally attractive woman. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I this discussion is sort of like triggering my pedantry, which is that like, you know, she <laughs> she got rewritten. Right. So then there's a question of is this the original identity at all? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's where it gets all weird. Yeah. yeah. This is why I, I think that infinity infinity and any sci-fi setting that has, you know, you can store your personality in a box that is completely separable from your your actual physical body, and then that can be modified leads to very weird uh sci-fi rabbit holes you can go down in all kinds of directions. And gender is definitely one of them. That's a really easy one to get in in deep with. Like yeah. it's yeah, Avicenna. Ex- you know, st- step one, Avicenna exists. Step two, write entire sci-fi series based on based <laughs> yeah. on exploring this one concept. I mean, right? I, I think that's what attracts me to sci-fi. Uh, is like you get to do all kinds of weird thought experiments like that that are really interesting. I took a class in college called "What Is I," uh, and that Whoa. was a really that was a fun, that <laughs> was a fun one. But really, I we had that in our notes uh, for the episode, and I think we kind of skipped the point. But John makes a really good point that sci-fi is really good at exploring all types of social norms and realities and things that we just don't think about on a regular basis or take the time to consider. So things like, mm-hmm. hey, could you resleeve bodies and change genders and change all of the aspects of yourself, change yourself from being human? Like, what does this mean? What would it look like for people? All of these kind of questions is really the realm of sci-fi. And you can fuck with it and play with it and see what happens. So, so I will say, I think that there are, are a couple lazy things maybe done with the infinity things. And that's also, actually, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily yeah. lazy, but it is definitely uh, written by a straight white manzy. Um, which is a all the characters are conventionally attractive women, yeah, right. Um, so like that that to me is kind of lazy. And the other one, and I guess we don't really know, but I've noticed this actually is a trend in other uh, sci-fi genres that include uh, you know exploring of of this similar concept where the idea you know like an um an altered carbon, right? Uh, but I guess in altered carbon, you you don't feel good when you go into the other body, which is fine. But the idea that um, it, it's almost in a way of eliminating trans people because you just change your sleeve. And now there are no trans people. You're just a cishet 
woman um instead of even also having the idea that you know there are people that are comfortable with their bodies that are trans um <laughs> and wouldn't necessarily go the route of going through you know expense you know potentially expensive or even not expensive surgery you know advanced biosurgery and changing your entire body like there there are people that that obviously feel different ways about about themselves physically and we only the sci-fi i feel like sci-fi writing tends to pick the easy one. Oh, you just change bodies problem solved right yeah um, I'm not going to start a whole discussion about all of that. We could get in there. That's a long one, isn't it? Like, sorry. That's a long one. I mean, but it's like, go ahead, John. I, I, I guess the this is sort of just a, a, a problem that is endemic to just like being a person, which is that simplistic solutions and simplistic uh, categorizations make sense of a very complicated and scary world. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are not comfortable with the idea that stuff exists on a continuum that may not be on one axis, it may be multidimensional. And, and, you know, like trying to shoehorn uh, a concept into a particular framework, which is not capable of expressing it all. And you end up abstracting away a lot of the nuance um, can, you know, lead to some useful decision-making power, right? Like, Stereotypes exist. Uh, they are absolutely an oversimplification, but in some cases, they let you make a decision quickly. Which you know, the value, like the making a value judgment on, a, on that, is hard. But I don't think anybody is going to dispute that stereotypes allow you to, to make quick decisions, right? Um, yeah. And, and so, like, I, I think I think really it's just like how do you how do you, how, how willing is a person to engage with the the roiling sea of discomfort that is like you know, looking at a complex multidimensional optimization problem and be like, I don't know where things sit here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yes. I'm laughing because the second you say roi- uh, roiling sea of discomfort, I'm like, yeah, that is gender. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's everything. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. everything. Totally true. So, uh, yeah, in Infinity, I would say there, there are three characters, you know, there are two and a half characters um, that are that are trans. Like, that's actually way more representation than I think almost any other game I can think of. Um, even a lot of the, the, even a lot of the fantasy ones. Um, so that's that like, like credit, credit where credit's due. They've, they've at least, they've at least touched it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think a lot of times just touching it is frequently it's, it's much better than not touching it at all. And like, I think we are definitely heartened to see that they have actually put that in, even if it's very sloppy, like Avicenna is. Yeah. It's just like very bizarre, like, we don't know what's going on here. But I'd rather that they have that in there and be like, yeah, this is a thing. I will double down on what Adam said. It is lazy to make them all trans women Mm -hmm. and just make them conventionally attractive women. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trans men are a race all the time like yeah. in general and in, yeah that's all i'll say because it really none of these since they are all conventionally attractive women and it's just their lore that makes them trans you could have done that with a guy too right and at the same time yes like yes and is what i'm doing i'm yes anding you uh, <laughs> but i like they also didn't make they didn't change the miniature in a way to to make them look trans right like, yeah 
we're gonna give her like I don't you know like large shoulders and a big like whatever gross you know like mid nineties games workshop ogre like that yeah ogre. yeah um <laughs> and since I think you know Avicenna was the first character that they explored in this way and she's mm-hmm. been part of the game for a very long time so mm-hmm. like it does show improvement like the, mm-hmm. they took Avicenna and they made characters after her that were um more well written to be trans um something interesting that to to segue to another game um heavy gear something that so i i started playing heavy gear back like back in like 96 97 and they had um gay characters and trans characters in the game although they were trans in the sense that they were born one but then went through magic space voodoo technology surgery to to express the gender that they they wanted um but like that's it's also trans- in that universe huh that's what all trans people do yeah yeah right that's we what, all that's use magic space technology that's true though exactly that is, that's really true um, but the tra- agenda that's it's the agenda <laughs> it's no it's the uh was it the secret space program except for <laughs> crotches um so but in that setting they've actually it's very much been um that it's a non-issue like yeah no whatever there's there's gay people trans people they exist in the, in the lore they hold political office they're like whatever let's talk about the next thing um which is kind of funny because at first i thought that was like oh that's that's a great approach but it, if sci-fi is supposed to be written as kind of the commentary of the now it kind of ignores important issues of the now like it ignores the uh the troubles of the now and just says like we got past it next issue yeah uh, and I, I think one thing that i don't necessarily mind settings that do that but i feel like if you're going to do that you should probably think about like so what could the next thing be if we can yeah. if everyone has access to gender changing technology at all times what does you know how does that actually affect your society? Because that's that is a bunch of medical advances, and like, I feel like it opens the door to other discussions that mm-hmm. I would like to see. I think um, I think it's a double or yeah, double edged sword. If you say it's not an issue anymore, they got by it. Cool, that's at least some representation, and you're saying it shouldn't be an issue in the society. But at the same time, you you might not be giving it the time and attention it deserves. Yeah. Being, what it is um i will say though not everything needs to be about queer stuff mm-hmm. so it yeah. is like in a war game it not, isn't necessarily bad to just be like yeah in society they're cool yeah mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a war game and it's actually a much it is a larger role-playing game than it is a miniatures game there's mm-hmm. there's like 40 sub like source books Ooh. it is it is huge it's an insane amount of books it's, yeah it's intense uh, but yeah, I, mean, I do like it's hmm? yeah, like you could take an AP history test on heavy gear. <laughs> oh, totally. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's like reading social studies books, man. Yeah, it really uh, is. But it is like, but yeah, it's, so this is like the, the first game that I was really exposed to. It was just like straight up like, oh, yeah, no, the leader of this major nation or this major state in a nation in the, is is gay. It's a who cares? Like, next. Um, I, I do think that there is something, um, 
I, I don't know if you've <clears throat> do you know have you seen the the graph of left hand left handedness over time? No. Um, there's there's a really so as some people are aware, uh, if you used to be left handed, they used to like left handedness used to be associated with like, witchcraft. Yeah, yeah sinister, sinister people. Either. Sinister yeah. is the opposite of dexterous. Uh, in case you didn't know, yeah, uh, and it means you're left handed uh, ultimately. And like, there is a great graph somewhere out there of people being left-handed, and it's like, wow, what happened between you know the the early 1900s and you know later on? And it's just like, yeah, we stopped discriminating against left-handed people, and all of a sudden, <laughs> wow, it actually you know, and so like you know, as a trans person, I look at this and you see so like. There's a ton of uh, manufactured panic right now about like, oh, the transes are transing everyone and they're also gaying everyone and they're corrupting our children. And look at these graphs of these numbers that are going off the chart. And so, you know, we look at these, you know, there there are wonderful graphs like the left handed chart that show like, yeah, that's what happens when you stop discriminating against people. Yeah, and get, or, and yeah. so. Yeah, get more access to resources and all the different kinds of yeah. pieces. And so, yeah. like, you know, tying that into what you were saying about heavy gear, like, I hope to one day live in the world that we live in now for left-handedness, but for trans people. And I don't, and I'm frequently happy when, you know, sci-fi is like, yeah, we're going to get over that. You know, sometimes yeah. it's a nice to have that as an escape as like, a, oh, people aren't going to murder me in this setting. Wow, that's pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> What what was me for that reason in this yeah. setting? I mean, like this this is a pretty common phenomenon in terms of like the 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 condition or state right that you're you're plotting has always existed throughout time right like being trans is not new, um, so like, but now it's like okay to say that you're trans like I mean that's not because you know people are still trying it's to murder trans okay. people it's more okay right uh, yeah. or like you know like this disease or whatever is now testable. So like it shows up more, right? This is like a, like, you know, in reference to all like the COVID stuff, like it's spiking because we're testing it kind of stuff. Uh -huh. So like, if you, if, if you, if you can actually plot it, right. Cause people will tell you that this is happening to them. Uh, you know, you'll see more because you can actually have the real number now as opposed mm -hmm. to the fake number. Yeah. <laughs> but my freedoms. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I did want to to mention Woodford Chocobo's comment uh, about yeah. uh, you know the the quote that she gave was uh, I will give you grace if you give me effort. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's, yeah, that's a great Ooh. great sentiment. All right, let's wrap it up and go home. I think that was uh... <laughs> yeah, <Ooh. laughs> done. Nailed it. Show. Well, um, we still have like three good pictures, probably. <laughs> oh, we have several good pictures. Okay. Okay. So. So there, there are there are some problematic tropes, and without going into like, if you really want to see um, a great summary, I feel like of of many problematic tropes in pop culture, like go watch is a disclosure on Netflix. Um, it does a great yeah. job of that. So like, I don't think we need to rehash a hundred percent of that. But I think that this this uh, girdle of femininity <laughs> slash masculinity. I, when I okay, so needs to be needs to be talked about. This is from. Uh, this is from the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons uh, DM's guide. Um, in the in like the magic item or cursed item section, I forget. 
And there's this belt, and when you put it on, it immediately changes the sex of its wearer to the opposite gender. And when I was a kid in, like, middle school, me and my best friend were, like, going through this book, like, looking at all the cursed items, and neither of us could figure out why this was a cursed item. <laughs> um, so anyway, we've both transitioned. <laughs> and, if your and mail like, appears as a roll of duct tape, and... It, <laughs> And it's just, you know, there are, I think there's there's been a lot of, the girdle of masculinity femininity, I think, is based off of a magic item that appears in the Thousand and One Nights. Um, oh, okay. And so, like, you know, stories featuring this kind of stuff have been going back forever. And, like, you know, we've been, we've had this forever, and it's kind of been a part of our society forever. And, like, look, here's this very interesting magic item that now is actually... They have a 5th edition version, but I can't remember what it, Yeah, and it's better. Well, now I'm going to go find that. How much better? And, like, just, just really quickly, I think it's fair to say that if this is based off of an 8th century uh, writing, that it might be a little dated. Um, maybe shouldn't be included in your advanced Dungeons & But... It is the, yeah, no, it is it. So for for people who are listening or and can't see the picture, um, the text of it is basically that yeah, it's a cursed belt or girdle, um, that, yeah, like you said, swaps the gender or swaps the the sex, and ten percent chance of no sex. That that's the bad option. <laughs> the other one's great for some reason that it, I can't it, figure out as a middle schooler. It's actually not. It's a it's a totally fine option also for yeah. some people yeah yeah right that's one of the a's in the lgbtqia two uh there's a million of them no not two three was the number there's like one number in there now i feel like two for two spirit <laughs> two spirit thank you um so yeah it's it is this uh, this almost this idea that it is a curse right it needs to have strong negative connotations and we're going to make it a cursed item in this game to, to to trans you. <laughs> I, I think what something that's really fascinating about this is that cis people everywhere understand this to be a curse. That's why it is a cursed item. That's why it works as like a thing to put in your game. People, you know, the world over generally understand I don't want to be the opposite gender. I wouldn't want to live my life as somebody of the gender that I am not. And that's basically what trans people are doing as well. Just, you know, we start as the wrong one or people tell us that we're the wrong one to start. And it's, you know, so like, tell, tell me as a GM how you don't like once a character is under the effects of this, if they're a male character going to a female character, that you don't just like subtly give them like 20 percent less gold every time they <laughs> find something. I, I think I think going back to what we were saying in the beginning of the episode, if you're a GM and you want to use this item, you should talk to your players about it first because it's a weird thing to throw in your game if they don't expect it and like there isn't. It, it, yeah, this should be part of your off. session zero for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you if you want to have this in your game, you know, think about it. Talk to your players. Recognize that. Hey, some of them might think that this is kind of weird for Talk some to reason. Your GM about changing your gender. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, no, right? Like this could also, all, like another interesting thing is that this could 
um, if you if you do want to use an item like this in your game, right? Like this could actually inadvertently kind of be a pretty freaking offensive to to someone. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, I think as trans people, we have definitely heard the story of the person who. You know, if you are in nerd spaces, you've probably seen like a story about some typically a guy player putting on one of these belts and then just doing the most offensive stuff you can think of. Mm. Just like right. being like, yeah, now that I'm a woman, I want to like have sex with every single person. And I'm going to like, you know, check all of these weird boxes that men think that all women want to check. And it's like, mm, I, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Maybe I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. We also we also need to now take a few hours to talk about the difference between sex and gender and how sex is also made up, which a lot of people... <laughs> I'm not going to get into gender theory, but <laughs> sex is variable. Yeah. Whoa, that's going to get deep fast. We don't... Without getting deep fast, uh, <laughs> stuff is more complicated than you learned in high school. What? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> yes. the... That's the secret trans agenda is that we actually we're sometimes, for higher education. Yeah, we're for higher education, uh, health care and like just getting people to go like, hey, it might be a little bit more complicated than and that. be monkeys. Yeah, we also want to all transform into it's monkeys. an important part of the step, honestly. <laughs> or right? any like, person, like, you went through the monkey phase, right? Like that's just natural progression. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. But but some for some persona, you have to, you know, you don't have doesn't, to. Yeah, it doesn't have to explicitly be monkey. I understand. The fursona is definitely important. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, for those people who don't know fursonas, don't Google it. Uh, <laughs> no, do Google it. You might find out something about yourself. That's also, Google being that's trans also... and Google fursonas, and you might learn something new about yourself tonight. Holy cow. So, all right, um, should we should we talk about um, some of these tropes and stereotypes or go let people watch the... the... I think we can skip. I think we can mostly skip it, but I think, you know... They're bad. Very, very quickly, I think something that's important to to just briefly touch on is yeah, like yeah. a lot of the way that people view uh, LGBT plus people in general is based off of uh, a lot of laws that we had in this country and other countries that basically mm. said you can't show gay people in a good light. Um, the Hayes yeah. Code in the U.S. was like this, which basically said if you have a gay character, they must be evil. Um, and so we have a wonderful book cover of uh, early <laughs> lesbian pulp novels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. You can see um, they're trying really hard to sell you on how bad lesbianism is. Uh, but also this was uh, Dominique is definitely a woman's name, so she knew what she was doing. <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, that's such a rad cover, though. I would. I want a poster of that. Okay, if you're gonna look at cool uh, pulp novel covers, you also have to look up Satan was a lesbian. Um, just Google lesbian pulp bot, and there's infinite of these. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so basically, if you have some, so if you have some ideas about gay people, and you haven't really, you're not close with any gay people, just assume that most of what you know is. You know, well, probably biased. biased or weird or like, you know, true, but only in small doses. And if you are a gay person who has heard these things about gay people, what you've heard is probably biased and true in small <laughs> yeah. doses. And 
Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there's definitely a case of a lot of gay people and a lot of trans people have a lot of internalized homophobia and transphobia just because we live in a society that isn't very nice to us. Yeah. So that's a sucky thing. Oh. <laughs> I, I wanted to. Uh, your your this discussion is um, reminding me of something that I I was hoping to add to the uh, recommended um, media. Uh, uh-huh. but uh, it's a book called There's Nothing for You Here by Fiona Hill uh, and I just listened to hmm. it on Audible I'm not sponsored but there's a lot of podcasts that are sponsored by Audible we're not uh, although <laughs> if we were to <laughs> Audible be, if you're listening yeah right um, but yeah no it's, it's uh, she talks a lot about how um, there's just like a lot of stuff that she didn't know about the world she was entering Right, she came from uh, mm. northern Northern England, uh, which is like, like she describes it in the book that you know the stereotypes of the American South is is just the the, the British North, right? It's like flipped, um, and so there's a lot of like classism and sexism, uh, and so like her going into like high academia was an unusual thing for her to do for somebody for from her upbringing at that age like of, of history. Um, and so like, just not knowing all these things is, is reminiscent of, um, what you're saying about, like, if you're a gay person, you probably have been exposed to all these like things that are incorrect. Right. And you just weren't told because society did the thing that was wrong. Right. Um, and she ends the, like, it's a very, it's not a, a pleasant book to read. Right. Um, but she ends the book with a call to uh, like a, a bunch of actionable items. She's like, if you are a school teacher, you can do these things. If you are a practicing professional, you can take uh, a, a a younger child who is you know like not uh, privileged or like doesn't have exposure to social networks that get you into a job, right? You can sort of like mentor them or just at least tell them like, hey, this is how it is, right? Like this, you know, she she talks about like how do you like just applying to Harvard, what that was like um, and how she had trouble because nobody told her things that she needed to know. Um, so yeah, it's a good book. I recommend it. Well, and actually on the same line is, um, <laughs> but I'm a cheerleader uh, where she can't be gay because she's yeah. a cheerleader. Yeah. Right. Like, what are you talking about? Cheer- yeah. Cheerleaders aren't gay. Well, and then wasn't there the, um, there was the, the butch softball player, who couldn't be straight. Right, exactly. <laughs> right? Like like she has the realization. She's like, but I've 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 been straight this whole time, but people just assume because I look like this that I'm gay. You know, I something that we say a lot in, in gay communities, and I hope I wonder if this gets out into larger communities, is there's no correct way to be gay. There's no correct way to be trans. Like sure. You're not trying like there is no I mean, I guess in all of society, there's no real expectation for, like, most of this stuff. <laughs> right. Do what you want to do. Like, if you're not hurting anyone, it's probably okay. Be, be mindful of others, but, yeah, you don't need to fit yourself in a box. And if, like, the weird little box that someone else is building for you doesn't fit, like, make your own box. Yeah. It is, it is, I mean, I, I've heard it, but it is a, um, like, it's, it's almost a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason, because it's good advice. Do it. Yeah. Um, 
So that, that's something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's. So, uh, this is kind of the last little section we want to talk about for the evening. Talking a little bit like gay coding, um, aka steel phalanx. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that is that is where sometimes shows, uh, sh- like TV shows, do this a lot, where they'll make a character that that very well could be gay, but it is not explicitly um stated to be um melanie what are you doing over there i'm putting a joke at the end of this okay keep going thank you <laughs> okay um so and that, that basically yeah that's basically just means that so it's something when it's implied but not explicit um so, <laughs> so before we start off i have to say uh melanie is wrong the 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 gay character from defiance is actually jazz Jazz is a trans woman, and this is very easy to prove. Uh, she fits, like, so many trans stereotypes, which, if you are not trans, you're not allowed to use these stereotypes, but as trans people, we can, like, joke about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she, uh, she's a hacker, first of all. That's a, that's a big one. She likes bats. Billy is a bat uh, thing. Her name is Jazz, and Jazz is also her hobby. So she transitioned and then named herself after, like, her hobby that she enjoys because she likes playing jazz music. And I just think that, like, if you're going to be named jazz and also like jazz, you probably chose that name yourself. Uh, She's also, like, no nonsense and is, like, just, you know, sick of people, like, fucking around, basically. So extremely gay, extremely trans character. She's in a messy relationship with uh, Zoe and Pywell and also um, <laughs> Mary Problems. Mary Problems. There we go. So, so again, speaking of gay coded, uh, they've never said that she isn't. Um, and there, there's it right, but it ties in, right? There's implication. There's actually like implications that she could be probably. I think Valkyrie, right? Well, so hold, we have to talk about Steel Phalanx oh, first. Sorry, yeah, back, back to Steel because Phalanx. we do have to talk about the, the gayest fire team in Infinity. <laughs> The, it, it's I mean it, it is the, the gayest army in all of infinity and if if you if you don't know why go watch Troy 2004 and, or go look on the the CB store you can't find the minis now but the the old the pages for the uh, minis are still up they're just saying they're discontinued and you can go look at somebody like uh, Dracios uh, oh, and yeah. Yeah. he's a gym rat yeah. Basically, all of the dudes in, in Steel Phalanx, very gay-coded. Um, and, yeah, so like I said, like, TV does this a lot. A lot of things do this a lot where they, they imply it. They don't explicitly say it. Um, so what is this, your, your gayest miniature? Actually, this is, I'll say that this is valid. Um, so it's the Ariadna Spec Ops with the heavy pistol and sniper. That's my choice, yeah. yeah. And... So here, here's why I support that belief, mm-hmm. because it's sculpted after a gay woman as well. Oh, we didn't, who is it sculpted that. after? Um, it is sculpted after what's her name? She was in Orange New Black for a minute. She's Australian. Oh, what's her? Uh, is she Ruby Rose? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That so, definitely is the gayest miniature, just because it is the gayest miniature. Like, yeah. You're going to have to put a picture up on screen so people can see this uh, beautiful woman. Yeah, it took me a second to find one that I could actually load. 
Oh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so it's it's literally sculpted after Ruby Rose. Um, You're cutting off the top of her head where she no, has the, the on the thing. It's working. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. never mind. So she has a gay haircut and a sword. And in case nobody knows, for some reason, lesbians became associated with swords in the last like decade. So is that a thing? Really? Yeah. 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 So, okay. Is it, is, it because, is it because straight girls took bow and arrows from, because of Hunger Games? Or? I thought straight girls... Never mind. That's a weird, quiverful joke that we don't need to make. Because... <laughs> I don't know why, where it came from, but sword lesbians are definitely a thing. Okay. Yeah. Some, uh, I know that some women are now getting... Some lesbians are now getting... Uh, instead of getting rings made, they get swords made, which is the coolest thing awesome. for their weddings. Awesome. Um... And then you cut the wedding cake with a sword. It's amazing. It's a great new tradition. That I get does to sound pretty this rad. Is, this is one of my favorite miniatures. Like, one of my favorite yeah. Ariana miniatures. It's really good. She's really I, good. I also use her as a uh, Hunzakut for my... Uh, she's my uh, uh, Spetsnaz rifle. Nice. I need oh, to get nice. Hunzakut for Droz. Because Wait, then she's, she's like, the Hunzakut sniper. What was that? Like, she's my Hunzakut sniper because she has the sniper rifle. Oh. Or works for a, a bounty hunter sniper. Uh, mm -hmm. Just any sniper you need. Foxtrot sniper. Yep. Great miniature. <laughs> let's see here. Other, other, what was the other gay coded? Oh, it's uh, Valkyrie. Yeah, Valkyrie. Valkyrie is a Labrys lesbian. You know, it's. I, I don't know what to say about Valkyrie other than I'm gay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is it is funny, right? So she she wields the the axe, right, which is the symbol of the Labrys lesbian lesbian flag. It, and she's it, got the aviators, and I don't know. It's yeah, I don't have much to say here. Other it's, than it hands out. She's also buff. <laughs> she also hangs out with Lakshmi, who's <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so. Yeah, though there's a so there is there is blatant representation of the game, um, uh, for some reason only of trans characters and not gay characters, but um, we'll we'll take it. <laughs> right. We'll take it, and also there's plenty of characters who you can say like, yeah, they're probably gay. Like, just, you know. I will say, mm -hmm. the RPG, the Infinity RPG, is pretty gay. Yeah, um, and it has good rep of both gay and trans people. And it explicitly makes it canon that the observance is like all trans women. <laughs> Not all trans women, just a lot. They say it doesn't matter what gender you started as, but only women are allowed to serve in the observance. They so, also, I think they specifically say that some sin eaters go on to transition to become reverence. Oh, interesting. Which is, I love yeah. it. Anyways, read the RPGs. The lore is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, and here you go. One last one. Uh... Uh, Clint, Clint has chimed in saying that Obi has said, um, who is also in the chat, yeah, um, that nice. Luna, Major Luna, is gay and has had a wife in the lore. Cool. Um, so there we go. There's there's one. There's, there's one been... canonically gay character, yeah. and it's another woman for some reason. Yeah, I was gonna say we can we can talk about why why lesbians are okay for TV and not gay people as a as a whole other episode next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Late night war gaze. <laughs> no, no, it's gonna happen. That's that, that has to be our spin-off show. How did you not? How did you not have that title before now? I 
That's my bad. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh... Did you have a horrible joke to make about this? Oh, no, we can skip it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're skipping? Okay. Well, skipping. I think uh, I think that about wraps it up, then. Yeah. Uh, I guess, in closing, be nice to gay people. Be nice to people? Yeah, just be kind. Be kind to others. Uh, That's the agenda. I'll go one step further. Treat other human beings as people. That yeah. sounds good, too. Like, maybe <laughs> don't dehumanize people yeah and if you're not like a person who is a member of a community like maybe don't think you're an expert on that because that's a weird thing that we get a lot as trans people is a lot of people who are like i'm positive i know everything about trans people and why you're you know completely fucking crazy and it's like but do you <laughs> no Hey, hey, uh, nothing says straight my like white male like well you know what the problem with blank is like mm-hmm. yeah, learn yeah honestly it's learn to shut up um yeah. that's that is the actually that's the last thing i will say one of the things that i always want to make sure that i had the opportunity opportunity to do with the platform that that we have built um at the dice abide is really being able to to share the stage and give a microphone and elevate people who might not otherwise be given the opportunity. Um, the best, I think it was, man, who was it? I think it was like some tweet a long time ago where somebody was some straight, you know, white, straight white cis hat person was trying to like, what do I do for BLM? And right. And the, their answer was shut the hell up, like be quiet. So the rest of us can talk. Um, yeah. Yeah, so shut up and listen. That is my advice. Yeah, and and I think there's also just an element of if somebody says if somebody says, "Hey, you're doing something that's uncool," don't get all. A lot of people tend to get very defensive when they reflect instead. If you do get defensive in the moment, also you know maybe just go home and think about it, and then like maybe you know be like, "Hey, I'm sorry for getting defensive," and like I'll think about it, whatever. You know, a lot of times just, you know, being a, you know, a normal person who goes like, yeah, I'm, you know. It's okay yourself... to be wrong about stuff yeah. on yeah. the internet it's okay to be or in wrong. person. It's, it's yeah. more important to be moving towards being better than it is to be perfect right now. And with that. <laughs> well, you've wasted another perfectly good evening listening to Late Night War Games. John, take it away. Yeah. All right. So remember to write into mailbag lightningwargames.com. Anything you want to let us know, uh, any episode ideas you want to see us tackle. Um, if you want to come on the show, that's a good way of letting us know too. Um, you can, of course, play any of our Birdman Academy missions. I guess my Birdman Academy missions is not really affiliated with Lightning War Games. I just, I'm on Lightning War Games. <laughs> uh, you can find us on YouTube. We upload all the episodes a week, uh, sorry, uh, 24 hours after we go live on Twitch. So they're there for, for uh, perpetuity or at least until YouTube implodes in a... Anyway. Um, yeah, uh, we, we're live on Twitch every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, sorry, every first and third Tuesday of the month, right? So that sometimes creates weird two-month, two-week gaps like it did this last two weeks. So if that happens, just be aware of that. If any schedules change, we'll let you know early. Uh, stay tuned to our uh, Facebook channel. is probably the right way to do it. Um, yeah. So if you like what we do, you want to support us, you can become a late night war gamer. Uh, hang out with us on Patreon. We give you minis as a, as a reward for your support. Um, you got to subscribe for a whole or support us for a whole quarter. And then we send you some stuff. 
Um, yeah. Of course, thank you uh, to everybody who's currently supporting us as a late night wargamer. If you're if you're uh, supporting us, or if you just want to hang out in our Patreon uh, or in our Discord, all right, uh, you can you can do that. It's not it's open to everybody, not just patrons. Uh, and thanks to our sponsors: DreamPod Nine, Mythic Games, Corvus Play, Bird and Brew, and Brutal Cities. All right, next episode is ninety nine. That is our the, the the last episode that we're in the double digits. What? So be sure to join us. It'll. Uh, it'll be an episode. Well, they would say it'll be a party, but that's why we're episode one hundred. It'll be the party. It'll be the free party. Um, be sure to catch us, of course, on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere that you that you get your podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five star rating on iTunes. Follow us on Twitch and YouTube, and all of this will help us bring you the best content that we possibly can. All right. Well, with that, stay safe out there, and we'll see you next time. Be gay, do crimes. Yeah. Safely. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Uh, 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 won't you play games with me? And I like to do everyone. That's what I like to do. That's what I like to do. That's what I really like to do. That's what I really like to do.